great. Today's review covers just the first of those extra years, the financial or tax year that starts in April 2015. The government is facing a Commons revolt over its plans for a high-speed rail link between London, Birmingham, Manchester and Leeds. 28 Conservative MPs, including Hertfordshire's James Clapperson and Charles Walker, Mid-Bedfordshire's Nadine Dorries, Wickham MP Steve Baker and the project's long-time opponent, Cheshireman Amersham's Cheryl Gillen, are trying to block HS2, claiming it's a waste of money and damaging to the environment. The coalition says it will help revive the economy, but Cheryl Gillen isn't convinced. I looked at this project and I started off by saying it goes through an area of outstanding natural beauty. It's my constituency. I'm against it. I then looked at it in more detail and I think it's the wrong project. Thieves have forced a Luton pensioner to withdraw a substantial amount of cash from his bank account. Carol Abercrombie has the details. Police are keen to talk to any witnesses to the crime which happened a week ago between three and four o'clock in the afternoon. The strangers, a woman who had oriental features and a man with a dark complexion, parked their silver or grey car in Chapel Street, close to New Street. The woman told their victim that she was ill and needed money for medicine. She and the man then threatened the pensioner and forced him to go home to get his bank details before taking the money out of the bank. Higher parking charges will come into force today in Milton Keynes. Premium spots go up by 20p an hour and standard ones by 10 pence. Milton Keynes Council, which earns nearly £9 million a year from parking, says the increase, which is the first since 2009, is necessary. In sports news, Manchester City and Juventus have agreed a deal for striker Carlos Tevez to sign for the Italian champions in a transfer worth up to £12 million. Tevez will now have a medical in Italy and is set to leave England after seven seasons in the Premier League. The weather mainly dry with sunny spells and a chance of isolated showers this afternoon. Top temperature 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's virtually the end of June. It just dawned on me as I was driving in today. But it's the tw- 26th of June. Well, that means it's July. That means it's virtually autumn, nearly Christmas. Well, that was a disappointing summer, wasn't it? I've enjoyed it. Lots coming up on the show today. Always uh, keen to get your views and your opinions on the stories we're talking about and things that maybe we're not talking about. And perhaps you feel you should. Don't feel you have to call in about these things. You can call in about anything if you want. I'll give you the contact details uh, in a little bit. But here's some of the things we've got coming up. Today, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes. It's the first increase in four years. Well, has the cost of parking changed the way you shop? A small business owner based uh, at Hertfordshire Railway Station has vowed to fight a decision that could see the store replaced with a WH Smith's. Independent shops versus big chains. Who do you prefer? Speaking of preferences, do you prefer a hairy man? More and more men are shaving their chest hair off or waxing it. Oh dear, no. Embrace the fur. Although saying that, I saw an advert the other day, a poster, and it's a woman wearing a fur coat made out of chest hair. Oh, it's in the paper yesterday, horrible. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333, start your text 3CR. And you can give me a phone call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Imagine that. It was a fur coat made out of chest hair. It was in one of the papers yesterday. It was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. We'll be talking about that later on. 08459 555 555. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will announce £11.5 billion worth of cuts in his spending review later on today. The review covers spending for the year 2015 to 16, which includes the next general election. George Osborne insists he's protecting those areas that mean most to ordinary people. I will set out the next phase of the economic plan to move Britain from rescue to recovery, but I can confirm that we will be offering real protection to our National Health Service and to our schools. These are vital public services. They are an investment in our economic future, and they are all about doing what we need to do to win that global race. Cuts are expected in council spending, but there'll be more for MI5, MI6 and the GCHQ Listening Centre. Well, that's good then. The pensioners' winter fuel allowance will be removed from those who now live in regions that are warmer than the UK. It's thought that will affect about uh, 100,000 expats. Labour has already said it won't reverse any of the cuts the government plans between now and the next election. But Labour's shadow chancellor, Ed Balls, blames George Osborne for the new cuts in spending that are needed. The economy is flatlined for three years. And isn't this, this economic failure... The reason why the Chancellor will now not balance the books in 2015 and why he is coming back to this House to ask for more cuts to public services. Well, campaigners for the elderly say spending on their care has already been cut too far. Caroline Abrahams is from Age UK. Something like £800 million has come out of social care since 2010. And looking ahead, we know that the demand for social care is rising all the time. So you can see there's a gap that we really, really need action to fill. What do you think? Are you worried about uh, the potential cuts that are going to be announced today? Are you worried how it will affect you? 08459 555. We can speak now to Matthew Lawrence from the Think Tank, the Institute for Public Policy Research. Morning, Matthew. Good morning. Ian. Now, we, we, we don't, we, we kind of have an inkling of what's going to happen. What, what do you make of these cuts that we know about so far? Well, I think it's interesting. There are going to be some big winners and there's some relative uh, losers as well today. The losers are clearly going to be departments like business, home office, local government, who are suffering up to 10% cuts where the axe is going to fall pretty severely. And that's because the winners are education and health, which have been ring-fenced. And what that means, essentially, is that rather than having moderate cuts across the board of about 2.5%, 3%, those big departments that will be delivering services to people in the three counties, business, local government, they are going to be suffering much bigger cuts. So I think today is about economics, as you say, £11.5 billion of additional cuts on top of three years of austerity, but it's also about the politics, about priorities. Are there places where we could be saving even more money, do you think, Matthew? There's always room to look for further savings. I think one of the things that's important is that by having these ring fences, it means that we put real pressure on other departments. So, for example, by ring-fencing education, we've put a lot of pressure on a funding stream for a early years education programme, and that's caused a lot of tension between Nick Clegg, the Deputy Prime Minister, and Michael Gove, the Education Secretary. And so it kind of distorts how we can look for savings by putting these ring fences in place. The front page of the Express uh, today looks at the warning from the policy exchange which says that unless pensions are included in the cap on welfare budget, the government will have to make a further £40 billion worth of cuts over the next five decades. Does that sound about right? 
It's a very large number. I think what's more important uh, to recognise is that the pressure on pension, pensioners is going to come from a broad range of cuts. So again, the local government cut, that's going to be about 10%, and that's coming on 26% cut over the last three years already. So by the end of this cycle of austerity, there's going to be severe cuts and changes to the way it's delivered. And what that means for people is that, for example, if you come out of the NHS and then you go into local care, that's going to be severely impacted because of the cuts, because local government very often delivers and commissions social care. In terms of the broader number, yes, there's going to be continuing austerity, and what people have to recognise is that we're only at the very beginning of a cycle, and this spending review, which is going to be cutting an additional $11.5 billion, is actually only the first step, and that there are much more severe cuts expected after that. Whether that has to come from pensions is a different question. The, the, the eleven and a half billion, and you say that there's more to come. Mm. We're talking about HS two today, um, uh, Matthew. Forty billion, fifty billion. No one's quite sure. If that was scrapped, that would be all that money saved, wouldn't it? Uh, HS two is an important infrastructure uh, project, but it's one that can be debated in terms of its cost benefit. It should be recognised, though, that big money projects like infrastructure are important, but what's more important to stimulate the economy is things like housing and shifting money from sort of housing benefits, perhaps, into bricks and mortar, which is one of IPPR's big arguments. So we need to shift money from current spending to actually getting things built, which are going to have lasting value for the country. Uh, and finally, Matthew, one of the, the budgets that's ring-fenced is the overseas budget, sending money to foreign countries. And that does annoy a lot of people. What, what's the Institute for Public Policy Research's take on that? The Institute for Public Policy Research's take on that is that the overseas aid budget is a tiny proportion of our annual spend, and that cutting it would not really reduce the deficit in any meaningful way. And more importantly than that, overseas aid, while I recognise people's concerns, is something we should be proud of because it's something that delivers a lot of bang for our buck in terms of delivering real goods to people who are often in really difficult situations across the world. Matthew Lawrence from the uh, Institute for Public Policy Research. Thank you very much indeed. Well, what's your take on that? Oh, wait, four, it's getting bleak, isn't it? £11.5 billion worth of cuts coming, being announced today. And then more to come later. More to come later. Oh, happy days. 08459 455 555. What do you think about the cuts that we've heard about? Some of it's been leaked out. We'll get the full details. I think it's about half past ten this morning, I think he's um, delivering his speech. Something like that. Well, what do you think about some of the cuts? About, let's, let's kind of round it off. It's about 50, million, 50 billion pounds on HS2. It's kind of a very rough estimation. We'll find out how, how many billions of pounds are spent on overseas uh, foreign aid. Well, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. What do you think about the cuts that are being made and where else would you like to see cuts? 08459 455 555. Where's them Rolling Stones? Blimey.
going to go all Wally Webb on you, but apparently, according to my, um, uh, the, what, what can we call her these days? Um, just girl that hangs around with us while we're doing the show, Kelly Betts. The, there is a theme. She's, she's, was bored this morning. I don't know why. I mean, she'd made the tea. She should have gone out and sourced some biscuits. There is a theme uh, linking the music today, and I'm blown if I can work out what it is. Rolling Stones, get off my cloud. Let, let's have a fun game. No prizes. BBC, not allowed to. But 81333, cite your text 3CR. There's a theme to the music. We're not, hey, don't worry. We're not entering that territory every day. This is just a one-off. Just uh, while we're in the mood. 08459 455555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Now, if you're heading out in the car about now, things are looking nice. We've got no delays on any of the major routes so far today. M11, A1M, M1 and M40 all running nicely on the cameras. And indeed, the M25, there are no delays through the roadworks section or anywhere else on the motorway yet so far today. I'm taking a look at the train departure boards as well. And, well, we've had one cancellation already this morning. It's the 6.13 service that should have been leaving Luton about now, heading up to Bedford. That was coming through from the south of London. And that's been cancelled because of a train fault. And it looks like we've got a cancellation as well, the 6.43, which would have been the return service running through the opposite way. Everything else, though, looking absolutely fine. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, 6.16. Wednesday, the uh, 26th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. Rebecca Thompson's father has been arrested on suspicion of murder. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in a bid to reduce the budget deficit. In sport, former Wimbledon champion Pat Cash says Laura Robson has the potential to go on and win Grand Slams after she knocked out 10th seed Maria Kirilenko yesterday in the tennis. 08459 455 555. Are you a fan of the hairy man? They're not a band, I'm just talking about men with hair. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you... Great guests. Julian Clary. Welcome to BBC Three Counties Radio. Legendary Genesis guitarist, Steve Hackett. Supertramp frontman, Roger Hodgson. Carol Decker of Tapau fame joins me now. Great conversations. China in your hand is about the fragility of your dreams and that you should be careful what you wish for. Something very addictive about making people laugh is standing on stage and every few seconds getting that hit of a, of a laugh. Nick Coffer. Weekdays from 12 on BBC Three Counties Radio. Okay, so there is some kind of theme linking the music together. I apologise if it's tenuous and dull. I literally have no idea what it is. I'm playing this fun game at home as well. So we've had the Rolling Stones, Get Off of My Cloud, and now we have Mumford and Sons, I Will Wait. I don't... I can't spot it. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five. Eight, one, three, double, three. Start your text 3CR. Guys, it's just a bit of Wednesday morning fun, that's all. Jeez. Well, I came home like a stone, and I fell heavy into your arms. These days of darkness 
storm will blow away with this new sun. But I. between the music the Rolling Stones get off my cloud Mumford and Sons I will wait is it that they've all got guitars in Lynn has texted in I'm 56 and even I know that well Lynn you've not said what the answer is so we don't you could just be saying that 
Paul Scoyans, our political correspondent and um, the man who has no cultural knowledge whatsoever. Even he's got it. Ridiculous way to run a blooming BBC radio show. Now, has the cost of parking charged, uh, changed the way you shop? Today, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes. It's the first increase since 2009. MK Council earns nearly £9 million a year from parking. Really? Nine million pounds a year from parking, but they say the increases are necessary to generate the income needed to support transport and highways. But what do people shopping and working in Milton Keynes think? Generally, yes, I think the footfall will decline over a period of time, as it has done once the parking was introduced, parking charges was introduced, it's um, steadily declined, and then increases on charges will mean people will go further afield to shop. People don't want to park or pay to park, to shop, to spend money. It's already... People are on limited budgets already, so they don't want to have that increased payment for to shop. So generally you find it more at weekends. People might come up during the week. It's definitely, definitely a decline in in footfall from people. I've had to uh, prepare myself for this anyway. I I, I knew it was coming. They did tell a bit in advance. I was over to buy a couple of months uh, ahead. So, you know, but that's short term, you know, in in the long run, you know, it, it may not necessarily force me to leave the shopping centre but that's an expenditure you know you've, you've got to look at your your incomes coming as in your outgoings and it's now £360 opposed to £230 or whatever it was so yeah it's a big big uh, money difference but. well I'm asking you this morning dear listener has the cost of parking changed the way you shop 08459 455 555 uh, Elizabeth Hobbs is chair of the MK branch of the National Market Traders Association Elizabeth are you worried about these charges I think we all are, Ian. Um, the last time parking went up, it had an immediate impact on um, visitors to Central Milton Keynes and trade in Market Square, and the traders do fear that, that, it, that it could happen again. I mean, we, we understand the council's position. They've got to raise funds via parking, but they also need to keep CMK um, attractive to locals and visitors, and it's important to get the balance right. The last change in parking, uh, last increase was was four years ago. Mm. You say that the, the uh, difference was noticeable. What 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 did market traders report? Well, at the time it went up in two thousand and nine, we had um, a lot of people just completely stayed away for the first couple of weeks. The the car parks were much more empty than the even the the, the cheaper rate of parking than um, previously. Um, the, the more expensive parking spaces tend to stay um, empty for most of the week anyway, and they're only sort of um, filled up at the weekend and on the run-up to Christmas, bank holidays and so on, when they actually do have some free parking on the bank holiday Mondays. A lot of... All, all, all of the stories we're talking about this morning all kind of interweave and link up with each other. One of the reasons that, that MK Council are increasing these charges are because of the cuts that are going to be brought in today or going to be announced today. It is a fine line, isn't it? They do have to get that money to maintain the infrastructure from somewhere? I mean, I'm not a politician, but I mean, it is very, very important that the, the council gets the balance right. I mean, they have to um, get the money to sort of run everything, but we also have to look at um, local residents in CMK. We've got to look at, you know, the, the traders at the, um, at the market. It's an amazing um, collection of local businesses, um, a great variety of businesses, and we... the uh, in the area when we had our um, 
petition for saving the markets earlier in the year and saving Secklegate Bridge, we actually um, realised then that a lot of the 20,000 people who supported us, uh, about 20%, actually come from outside the town. So they come, some come by public transport, but others don't. They, they use their cars. Um, so we need to look at all of, of, of those things. Um, the annual permits um, haven't gone up for um, market traders, but their trader parking is a very long way away from where the market is. Right. So it means that the traders, if they want to go back to their vans to get uh, more um, stock for the day's trading, they have to um, go a long way to c- and bring it back. So a lot of them do tend to buy the um, scratch cards and pay the daily rate. So they can be nearer? They can be nearer. Uh, Elizabeth, do you, know, do, you, do you have to pay for parking at the retail parks in Milton Keynes? As far as I know, it's all free. Um, See, that, that can't be helping, can it? The, the, the market traders? No, no, it, it doesn't. Um, I mean, with the food centre, um, we've actually lost... Sainsbury's have moved out, and they have their own parking now, and that's free. Well, it's free if you use the shop. Um, you have... Um, Waitrose has moved out to one of the retail parks, so we've got quite an empty food centre at the minute. So that the market itself is very, very important to... Um, all the people who come into Central Milton Keynes, it's very important for local residents, all the local estates, Conneborough, Fishermead and Campbell Park. Areas. Do you think it's looking, with these, these charges, uh, charge increases coming in, looking quite bleak for market traders in Milton Keynes? I think we, ha- it, we have to find something positive. I know it sounds a silly comment, but we have to find some positive way of still keeping the, the, the market as a, as a social hub of the, um, of the area. We have to maybe look at other ways of, of getting into CMK car sharing with you know family friends neighbours whatever um, still come and use us please because you supported us when we had our petition to save the market 20,000 people in three weeks supported us so um, I'm, I'm really hoping that people will actually find other ways of um, of still managing to do exactly that. Elizabeth, thank you very much indeed. Elizabeth Hobbs, uh, chair of the MK branch of the National Market Traders Association. It says normally all of our stories, apart from the men's chest hair, are linked. And I'll find a way to link that in as well. Spending cuts, HS2, parking increases with the market traders, you know, possibly facing a little bit of argy-bargy, a little bit of trouble. Independent shops versus big shops. It all links up this morning. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The parking charges have they changed the way you shop? Maybe you go out less. Maybe you share a car with a friend. Maybe you don't even go at all. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Traffic just starting to build as you drive in toward London through Boreham Wood. The A1 is looking slow southbound from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner on the cameras. Not massive queues yet, but definitely getting busier all the time. Much the same for the M25, really. It's still flowing well, but traffic's definitely starting to hit the motorway with uh, little build-ups through the roadworks section from Junction 25 at Enfield through to 23 at the A1M, mainly anti-clockwise, looking the tad slower. Things running fine on the other motorways, though, across the three counties. We've got no M40 problems, all looking good on the A5 through Dunstable. The A6 is fine past Barton de Clay and the bypass, where it got quite busy yesterday. 
and for the minute there are no reported problems or delays on the trains and tubes. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 6.13 News and Sport now, here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. Rebecca Thompson's father has been arrested on suspicion of murder. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in a bid to reduce the budget deficit. And 28 Conservative MPs, including five local Tories, are trying to block the government's plans to build a high-speed rail link through the Chilterns, arguing it's economically and environmentally unsound. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Robson says her first round victory in the ladies' singles at Wimbledon is a surprise. The British number one defeated 10th seed Maria Kirilenko 6 3 6 4. I didn't expect to win. You know, I thought if I go out there and play well and try and dominate from the start and um, keep the first serve percentage high, then I would give myself the best chance to win. So, yeah, that's what I was trying to focus on and that's what I managed to do. Not such good news for our local wild cards. Tara Moore from Potter's Bar lost to the Estonian Kaya Kanepi 755775 yesterday and Wellin's Dave Rice was supposed to be playing alongside Sean Thornley in the doubles but that match was cancelled. To football, Manchester City and Juventus have agreed a deal for striker Carlos Tevez to sign for the Italian champions and a transfer worth up to £12 million. Tevez has a year to run on his City contract. Dean Lewington has signed a new two-year deal with the MK Dons. The left-back is the longest-serving player at the club and next season will be Lew- Wellington's 10th campaign with the Dons. Meanwhile, coach Ian Wright has left the club, although he will continue to help on an ad hoc basis. Wickham Wanderers have signed winger Paris Cowan Hall from Plymouth Argyle on a two-year deal. And in swimming, the British Swimming Championships, which double as the World Trials, begin begin today in Sheffield. Luton's Lawrence Palmer competes in the 50 metres breaststroke and Aylesbury's Craig Gibbons is in the 100 metres as well as the 50 metres freestyle, which takes place today. It's going to take a big swim, but I've put the training in this year and off the back of a successful Olympic year and everything that went well for me last year, the confidence is high, so I'm looking forward to it. And that's your latest news and sports. I'll be back with more at seven. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555 is the phone number if you want to give us a call. Coming up later on, hairy men. Do you like hairy men? Not their backs, obviously, that would be weird. Oh, there's nothing worse than the hairy back. Although, <laughs> shall I, I'll let you into a little secret. When I've started going for my haircut now, my, my barber says, do you want me to just shave the top of your back? Oh! Oh, and I say, yeah, but don't let anyone know. And then I announce it on radio. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Now MPs will discuss the next stage of HS two today, the thirty six billion pounds high speed railway, which is planned to run through the Chilterns. Our political reporter Paul Scoynes has the details. So what's happening today, Paul? Well, Ian, MPs are going to discuss this uh, this bill, which is intended to smooth the process of HS two. It is quite complicated. Uh, HS two was mentioned in the Queen's speech, meaning that the government wants to go ahead with the line. Legislation will be introduced to enable the building of the high-speed two railway line, providing further opportunities for economic growth in many of Britain's cities. 
Now, the bill would give uh, the government the green light to spend money on things like designing the line, uh, buying up land, paying off residents who are affected, and environmental surveys. Now, even though there hasn't been an official agreement on HS2, mm. that will be discussed later in the year. Now, this is supposed, the government says, to signal a, quote, clear statement of commitment to HS2. Now, considering that the Chancellor is going to announce plans to cut £11 billion from government departments today, how much can be spent on this? Well, this is called a preparation bill and, seemingly, it can spend as much as it likes. There's wow. no limit given to this bill and this bill uh, even allows for this money to be spent even if the project doesn't go ahead. It could be used to spend money on things other than the areas I've just mentioned too. There seems to be no limit to that. Uh, and that is why, Ian, some campaigners against HS2 are calling it the blank check bill. There are lots of groups and campaigns against this and we've seen some of these these groups going through courts and more will happen. It does appear that it's a done deal, doesn't it? Well, bills like this uh, are designed really to make the passage of these big projects run a bit more smoothly, to give a bit more security, if you like, to the uh, major projects in the pipeline. There is, however, going to be an annual report written on the amount of money spent, but that won't start until 2015, probably uh, uh, until just before the, the next election in April of 2015. There is growing opposition to the bill. Uh, 35 MPs have signed a Commons motion opposing the railway. 28 of them are Conservatives, including uh, Buckinghamshire's Gerald Gillen, uh, Steve Baker as well from Wickham, along with Midbeds MP Nadine Dorries and Hertfordshire's James Clapperson and Charles Walker. Well, we can speak to one of those MPs now. We've got Cheryl Gillen, uh, is the MP for Chesham and Amersham on the line. Good morning, Cheryl. Good morning. Uh, it's a blank check bill. How, uh, how do you feel about that? Yes, I, I think it is, actually, which is why I've uh, put down an amendment, uh, which includes saying that this uh, bill shouldn't be given a second reading until uh, we have a limit on the amount of money that can be spent under it. Um, I, in fact, don't think this bill is necessary at all, because we didn't have a paving bill for the Channel Tunnel Rail Link, and we didn't have a paving bill for Crossrail. Um, I think this bill today is really... Uh, for the government to be able to say that Parliament has uh, decided that we're going to have HS2, not just the government. And that's why uh, you get this phrase, this clear statement of commitment. Um, so I query whether we should have this bill at all, but I think it's there not only to give a blank cheque, but to give the government the political cover it needs. You and 27 other uh, Tory MPs voting against it. What, what message does that send to the government? I think I've never changed my position, and uh, I'm actually surprised how many MPs really are very sceptical about this project. Um, but um, I think some of the uh, people that have signed up to the amendment uh, may not be here to, to vote today. I'm not sure how much support I and others will get. What I do know is that uh, at some stage, because this is the first time Parliament has had the opportunity even to discuss HS2, and the first time we've had a vote on it, that I feel I need to put a marker down and I need to vote against this bill. And that is why I'm hoping we will have a vote, either on the amendment and on the second reading of this bill, that will give me an opportunity to vote, and others must choose what they do. Obviously, lots won't be voting. Your fellow Conservative Aylesbury MP, David uh, Liddington, the Europe Minister, he's not going to vote against it, is he? 
I think it's quite right that ministers uh, shouldn't vote against it. And uh, David has done a tremendous job on behalf of his constituents. And we need uh, people to, who, who um, uh, need to voice these opinions, both inside government and out. So I fully expect um, that no minister will vote against it, because, of course, um, this is going to be a, a whipped second reading. Um, but that doesn't mean to say um, that he is not capable and is indeed not doing um, an absolutely sterling job on trying to persuade the government against this project. Not all, this is certainly not all over by this bill. Um, the hybrid bill is going to be one of the most complex things that goes through Parliament, um, and it's a long way until the first shovel is put in the ground. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I actually query whether we need this project at all. The bill's definitely going to go ahead, isn't it? I believe so, because Labour will vote for it as well. I mean, I've been joined uh, by some of my Labour colleagues. Um, I've been working with Frank Dobson, whose constituency is very badly affected by this um, uh, at the London end. Um, and it's proved to be most unsatisfactory what uh, HS2 Limited and the Department of Transport has been doing, um, because they couldn't even get the calculations right on the Euston end, so they had to change the scheme. Gerald, it's Paul, the political reporter here. You, you mentioned the hybrid bill. That's a very complicated piece of legislation, isn't it? Lots of people probably haven't heard of that. I certainly hadn't until HS2. Do, what, what is it in a nutshell? Okay, well, um, this hybrid bill, I believe, is going to contain at least 40,000 pages, and it will include the um, environmental uh, statement. So it's going to be a very complex procedure in Parliament whereby it gets a second reading and then there's a petitioning process and anybody will be able to petition um, the committee uh, on this bill. I think it could take as much as two or three years, uh, to be truthful. And indeed, today on the order paper, there's something which will allow uh, the government to table all the papers attached to this hybrid bill um, in uh, electronic form, which will be a, a unique way of doing it. I happen to, to think that's a, a good way of doing it because we'll be able to search those papers electronically. But the detail that will go have to be gone into in the hybrid bill is enormous, and uh, it will involve an awful lot of man and woman hours <laughs> uh, sitting on that committee. But of course, if you have an interest like me with my constituency, I will be prevented and prohibited from sitting on that committee. Uh, but nothing will uh, can stop me doing being part of the petitioning process. Cheryl Gillen, uh, MP for Cheshire and Amersham, thank you very much. 08459 455 555. Before I let you go, Paul Scoynton, and it is a case of me uh, unlocking that chain and literally letting you go. Yes. There is a, apparently a theme huh? running through the show, yeah. music-wise. We've had the Rolling Stones, Get Off My Cloud, uh -huh. Mumford & Sons, I Will Wait. Coming up next, huh. Womack & Womack, Teardrops. Huh. Do you know what the connection is? I, I, I knew what the connection was as soon as you said the first band. But you're a cultural desert, that's a phrase I came up with. Well, good. Uh, and an entirely correct one. But you still know what the connection uh, is. I know what the connection is. If you don't, then someone might say that you're the wasteland, culturally. I wish I could think something really clever to say back to you. And I will do, <laughs> later on.
morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 555 555. Coming up, do you like chest hair on a man? There's a story in the Daily Mail, I say story, and I say it in italics, about how more men are waxing their chests. No, no, no. We all like a bit of Burt Reynolds, don't we? Well, don't we? Oh, we don't want Nora in the whale. We want this. We want Adam Glynn. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you wanted some ukulele, I'd have brought my ukulele with me. Did you bring your hairy chest with you, Adam? Um, yes, I tend to bring that with me everywhere. Good lad, well done. Lovely. M25, anti-clockwise, you've got heavy traffic already now, going into the roadworks section. Waltham Abbey to Enfield, junction 26 to 25. Going into London on the A1, you've got heavy traffic along through Boreham Wood from Stirling Corner toward Apex Corner. So that's already built up quite considerably in the last 15 minutes. It was just looking a little slow. Now it's looking like it's almost a solid queue. Things getting busier as well on the A5 through Dunstable, mainly on the approach to the A505 junction. It's looking rather slow around there on the speed sensors. Things, though, on the M1 are looking fine. No problems on the M40. And on the tubes and trains, we've got no reported delays. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. We're talking about parking charges. And does it affect and change your shopping habits? Scott's tweeting me with his favourite parking charges in reverse order. At three, it's £2 for 15 minutes. At two, 20 pence for 15 minutes. And at one, it's 30 pence an hour with the residence card. And that's in Uxbridge Swimming Pool. Right, 6.47 or thereabouts. It's Wednesday the 26th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday, had been strangled. The Chancellor is preparing to outline plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in a bid to reduce the budget deficit. In sport, Manchester City and Juventus have agreed a deal for striker Carlos Tevez to sign for the Italian champions in a transfer worth up to £12 million. Coming up, tiny independent shops or big chain stores? Which do you prefer? But before that, let's get the weather with Sarah Thornton. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thanks very much indeed. Hello, very good morning to you. We start with temperatures uh, hovering around the 7, 8 Celsius mark in the countryside, but actually we're up to 12 degrees in High Wycombe at the moment, uh, a higher spot there. It's uh, it's actually uh, setting the trend for things uh, warming up nicely as we go through the day today. There is quite a bit of cloud, though, around, and as we go through the day, it's sunny or bright spells coming through. The best of those will always be the further south that you are towards the north. We'll keep a little bit more in the way of cloud here and there, but uh, generally, looking at a dry day and pleasant really in the uh, good bright or sunny spells that come through to you. Top temperature in the best of that 20 or 21 Celsius. Now just uh, late this afternoon into the evening the merest risk of seeing an odd stray shower. Uh, That is the exception though not the rule and they'll move across us quite quickly and uh, fade away through this evening and overnight and then we're dry through the night. Temperatures holding up uh, largely in double figures in the towns. It will be though cooler in the countryside. Tomorrow morning we'll start with dry bright sunny spells uh, but we'll see cloud 
start increasing as we go through the day. And that'll bring us some outbreaks of rain into uh, the west later in the afternoon, becoming more widespread as we go through the evening. Uh, that could, if you're a tennis fan, just be aware, affect play at Wimbledon late tomorrow. In the meantime, top temperature again, 2021 20, Celsius. And then on Friday, we'll start with that uh, last lingering bits of patchy rain around. It looks like things will start to dry out later in the day. But the weekend at the moment, looking dry, bright and uh, feeling pleasantly warm with some good sunny spells around for Sunday. That's your weather. Thank you, Sarah. If you've missed any of the programmes from the last week, you've missed things like this. It was awful, because I think my dad, I don't know whether he, I think he was the first celebrity, really, to sort of get sectioned. But there is a way you can hear it all again. I'm about to speak to Rachel Bruno. She was just 16 years old when her very famous father was sectioned. Go to bbc.co.uk slash three counties and click on Listen Again. All of our programmes are available for seven days, allowing you to listen to what you missed or things you'd love. To hear again. Love to hear again. BBC.co.uk slash three counties. So the, uh, the Daily Mail first with the big news stories, as always, pages 22 and 23. Why do modern men hate chest hair? Morning in the Stranati household and there is an unexpected winner in the battle for the bathroom. It's not Nicole, a 46-year-old administration assistant at a special needs school. Uh, but her partner, 48-year-old Aldo. Aldo Strinati would imply an Italian name. Italian men are very hairy. It's not, it's not racist. It's true. A resources manager for Royal Mail. If he's not shaving his chest, he's putting eye cream on his crow's feet. And there's a picture of uh, men with very smooth chests. Now, when I was a boy, I didn't want a hairy chest. I grew up, I got one. I inherited it from my dad. Thanks, Dad. Uh, I do have a hairy chest. And I, why would anybody, why would anybody shave or wax their chest hair? Justin Dealey, you're, you're her suit, aren't you? Mm, that means hairy. Yes, I'm wearing a vest top today for the occasion. Um, why on earth would you want to shave your hairy chest? Look at Team Wolf. The ladies loved Team Wolf, didn't they? I don't know if the ladies loved Team Wolf as such. Team Wolf <laughs> 2, on the other hand. Wow, what a movie. <laughs> uh, but, but it does seem odd, doesn't it? And yeah. I, um, I've, uh, this, this has been growing uh, as a trend for people to have their chest hair waxed mm. or to shave it. What a load of old nonsense. It is ridiculous. You know, just in Enjoy the chest hair. I'm in St Albans this morning. I've taken this one to the streets, Ian. A moment ago, I spoke to Sandra, and this is what happened. Now, Sandra, how would you uh, describe my chest? Quite hairy? Um, slightly hairy. Slightly hairy. Yes. Now, do you prefer your men with or without chest hair? Without. Why? I just think it's nicer. Yeah. Much nicer. You don't yeah. think a bit of chest hair is quite sexy? No, no. not at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Because <laughs> both Ian and I have got quite a bit of chest hair. I don't think you have, from what I can see, but uh, I don't like it when it's like a a head of hair on the chest. (laughs) So it certainly appears, Ian, that uh, some of the ladies don't like chest hair either. What's going on in this world? Absolutely ridiculous. I find this uh, 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 offensive. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Ladies, do you like a bit of chest hair? Of course you do. Burt Reynolds, Mm -hmm. The Knight Rider, all of these people, sure, James Bond. Tom Selleck. There we go, you see. They're all hairy men. Not on the back. That's weird. (laughs) Don't like that. Oh, wait, 459 455 555. Justin, quick question. Yeah, go on. I've been told by uh, Kelly Betts, who works on this show uh, that there is a theme linking the music okay so yeah. so far we've had the rolling stones get off my cloud mumford and sons i will wait 
Womack and Womack, teardrops, and we're about to have Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton, Islands in the Stream. Is, is there a theme? Can you spot it? Yeah, I can, actually. I can. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's oh. so obvious as well. Oh, for goodness. Okay. Sorry, mate. All right, Justin, thank you. We'll find out what it is after this. 81333, start your text 3C. What on earth is this? Is the theme linking these bits of music together? Baby, when I met you, there was peace on I set out to get you with a fine-tooth comb I was soft inside There was something going on You do something to me that I can't explain Hold me closer and I feel no Kenny Rogers, Islands in the Stream, The Rolling Stones, Get Off My Cloud, Womack and Womack, Teardrops, and A.N. Other Song. I don't know what the link is. We'll announce it after 7 o'clock. Wow, that'll keep you listening, won't it? 81333, start your text, 3CR. I'm being told that lots of you have got it. How can I not spot it? I'm good at this stuff. I normally spot this stuff straight away. Oh, dearie, dearie me. Now... Independent shops versus big chains. What do you prefer? Well, how about this for a battle of David versus Goliath? A small business owner based at a Hertfordshire railway station has vowed to fight a decision that could see the store replaced with a WH Smith's. Nibbles has been served a notice to quit by Greater Anglia, which is developing plans for a £1.7 million upgrade. The owner of Nibbles, Susan Lodder, opened her snack bar 22 years ago and now has six months left. Well, this is what commuters at the station had to say about the situation. It's outrageous. I mean, they've been here for 20-odd years. I'm, I'm a taxi driver, so we use it all the time. It's a local service, that, and it's pushing them out. I suppose that's the sum of the times, isn't it? The, the little man's kind of pushed out, and the, kind of the mess, sort of, yeah, the big chains kind of take over, which is a bit of a shame, really. 
Well, we can talk now to Susan, who set up the Save Nibbles campaign. Susan, when did you find out you were being moved on? I found out by um, a phone call on Friday the 12th of April. The landlords phoned me as they said I was such a good tenant. Um, they gave, they felt they had to call me. Oh, that's nice uh, of them. Exactly, and I know I got it later in a letter. Um, and since then, I've had it um, sort of signed and dotted. I've had court papers issued um, to either, you know, fight them back or just get on with it. And what, why are they moving you on? They're moving me on because I believe they're going to bring in, we believe, a company, something like WH Smith, which is actually on the logo of the plans. Right. And I believe that they're looking for a bigger unit and more and more income, more revenue. Susan, let, let me speak freely. Is, is it fair to say that Nibbles uh, is perhaps looking a little tired? I think that we, uh, the station in itself needs to be updated without doubt, and I've approached them. You know, I've recently taken my personal alcohol licence so that I can bring new things to the station. You know, I've got new ideas, fresh ideas. I want to update, but they categorically don't want us there. They want to move us on. I mean, I've served the public there for 22 years. You know, we've seen kids grow up. People come along to the station in the morning. We're the first person that a lot of them speak to. You know, my lady there knows what... No one says, I want a coffee or a tea. We know. We know if they have sugar, if they don't. We have that personal service. You know, you're going to get a multinational company going there. But, you know, you're going to come in and you're going to face a scanner. You're not going to face a person. Susan, we've, we've got uh, 25 seconds. What's, what's your next, next move? How are you going to fight this? OK, I've set up a website. I've got a national newspaper involved, which I hope will come out this week. Huge local support. The local papers. I've got two MPs onto this. And we're going to fight all the way. Give us the website, Susan. It's um, www.savenibbles.com. UK. Fantastic. Susan, listen, we will be following this with keen interest. What do you think? Are you a fan of the uh, the, the smaller independent store? Or do you welcome the uh, the possibility of a, a bigger retail outlet? 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Having a look at the train departure boards, there's a cancellation. Unfortunately, the service through to Bedford 659 which should have been leaving Luton well about now has been cancelled because of a train fault everything else though is looking good we have no disruption on any of the routes to and from London on the trains and the tubes are running nicely on the roads it's slow on the M25 anti-clockwise into the roadworks Waltham Abbey to Enfield it's also busy between the M1 and the A41 junction 21 and 20 and it's starting to slart between Maple Cross and the M40 junction 17 and 16 and the only other queue at the moment that's visible on the Speed sensors and on the cameras is the A1 into London through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner down to Apex Corner. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. We'll hear what Greater Anglia have to say about that a bit later on in the show. 08459 455 555. Do, do parking charges affect the way you shop? We'll talk about that more after the news. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 
seven o'clock, I'm Catherine Boyle. The headlines, 11-year-old strangled in Bushy, police appeal for missing Watford boy and Chancellor prepares for spending review. BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday, had been strangled. Rebecca's father has been arrested on suspicion of murder. He's in hospital after being involved in a traffic collision on Saturday morning. Police are waiting until he's well enough to be questioned. Police are appealing for help tracing a 14-year-old from Watford who's been missing for more than a week. Callum Wish hasn't been seen since last Monday. He's white, around 5 foot 6 inches tall, with short brown hair and was last seen wearing a pink top, dark jumper, black Adidas tracksuit bottoms and Nike trainers. It's thought Callum may be somewhere in the St Albans area. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out his plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in order to reduce the budget deficit. The cuts to be announced in the spending review will come into force in 2015. The budgets for schools, the NHS and overseas aid remain protected. The government is facing a Commons revolt over plans for a high-speed rail link between London, Birmingham, Manchester and Leeds. 28 Conservative MPs, including Hertfordshire's James Clapperson and Charles Walker, Mid-Bedfordshire's Nadine Dorries, Wickham MPs Steve Baker and the project's long-time opponent, Chesham and Amersham's Cheryl Gillen, are trying to block HS2. Ms Gillen says this is just another stage in what will be a lengthy battle. I've never changed my position and uh, I'm actually surprised how many MPs really are very sceptical about this project. Um, but um, I think some of the uh, people that have signed up to the amendment uh, may not be here to, to vote today. I'm not sure how much support I and others will get. What I do know is that I feel I need to put a marker down and I need to vote against this bill. Members of an ambulance trust who are facing calls for their resignation will meet in Bedford later. Yesterday, MPs said five non-executive directors of the East of England Ambulance Trust, which serves Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire, should go. Gail Sanderson reports. Earlier this year, the health watchdog blamed unacceptably long waiting times for ambulances on a failure of leadership. The chair of the trust resigned, but MPs have been calling for other senior figures to go. And yesterday, a government health minister, Anna Sobri, said the trust's performance figures were simply unacceptable and members of the board should examine their conscience. And in a statement, the Ambulance Trust told BBC Three Counties Radio its new chairman was reviewing the capability and capacity of board leadership at the Trust. In sport, Carlos Tevez is on the verge of a move to the Italian champion Juventus after Manchester City agreed a deal for the striker. The Argentinian will have a medical in Italy today. Tevez has a year left to run on his contract and the deal is said to be worth up to £12 million. The weather today mainly dry with sunny spells and the chance of isolated showers later this afternoon. Top temperature today, 21 degrees Celsius. That's 70 Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Did you get the music link in the last hour, Catherine? What, wet? Is that what... Well, I don't know. So we had the rope... Let's get Kelly Betts, who's behind this little bit of Wednesday morning fun, I like to call it. Morning, (laughs) Kelly Betts. Oh, good morning. Well done for the Wednesday morning fun. Yeah. Uh, So we had Rolling Stones get off my cloud. Mm -hmm. We had um, uh, Teardrops by the Womack and indeed the Womack. Mm. Uh, We had Islands in the Stream by other people. What was the connection? Catherine Ball says wet. Also, I Will Wait by Mumford and Sons. Okay. Uh, Tom O'Dell was queued up, but you didn't play it. There's no one in the whale, but you didn't play it. Don't say songs that we didn't play. Catherine Boyle says... Are you still there, Catherine? Yeah, I will wait. I didn't get... Why, what's that for? Yeah. Every artist and band that you played... Yes. ...are playing at Glastonbury this weekend. Oh, for That's the sense. link. Oh, oh that. dear. Yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Just get over have it. Have you heard of Glastonbury, Ian? Yes, I have heard of Glastonbury. Just check in. Do you know the festival's not actually in Glastonbury? Yes. Where is it? Worthy Farm. Yeah, where's that? I don't know. Somerset somewhere? Pilton. 
Pilsen. Yeah, yeah. you see. Oh, yeah. No, not even that close to Glastonbury. I'm getting a coach. I don't need to know the exact. Well, what a lot of Wednesday morning fun that oh, was, I Kelly. Know. I look forward to doing Still that again in 2015. Ta ta. Wasn't that awful, Catherine? Yeah. What a waste of radio. Do they pay for this? Apparently so, yeah. I'll get it sorted. They're all playing at Glastonbury. Oh. My finger really is off the pulse. But at least I still have one, and while I've got one, goddammit, we're going to do this show as best we can. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including today new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes, the first increase since 2009. Has the cost of parking changed the way you shop? A small business owner based at a Hertfordshire railway station has vowed to fight a decision that could see the store replaced with a WH Smith's. Well, what do you prefer? Small, independent shops or big chain stores? And speaking of preferences, hairy men or shaved men? Chest-wise, I'm speaking. What do you prefer? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will announce £11.5 billion worth of cuts in his spending review later on today. The review covers spending for the year 2015 to 16, which includes the next general election. Ministers will also set out plans to invest billions in transport, science and other projects. Well, Councillor Peter Fleming is from the Local Government Association. Good morning, Peter. How will local district and county councils cope with even more cuts? Morning, Ian. Um... I have to say, I think we're going to struggle. Um, we've already seen a 33% reduction over the last few years, another 10% on top of that, whilst most Whitehall departments have seen just a 12% reduction. So, you know, it, councils seem to be the sort of piggy bank that the, the government seems to think that it can keep coming back to. Now, the, the, people, the, the, the people listening to this show will have noticed some changes. Uh, we're talking about uh, increased um, parking charges, some uh, small groups and businesses facing higher rents, some groups closing. How will they see this next cut, or uh, th- this next uh, series of cuts? How will it affect people? I think councils have always, you know, for, throughout, throughout the last few years, have always tried to protect services. I think that's obviously going to become harder and harder as, as things go on. And, of course, lots of the services that councils provide aren't just nice to have. So, you know, these are children's services, adult social care, you know, potholes, uh, you know, those things that, that everybody sees every day. So, you know, we, we need to be, I think the government needs to be really, really careful when they look at, at council services as a sort of easy target for, for savings. If we agree that George Osborne's uh, measures of austerity are the way to go, Absolutely. these cuts have to be made, don't they? Oh, totally. And I think the, I think the local government association we, 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 and councils to- totally accept that. You know, the government needs, needs to find those savings. Um, but I think, you know, it, is it, can it be right that, that other departments are, um, you know, that, that provide services are, 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 not, are not seeing any reductions in their funding, whilst... You know, some of those universal services that we all, uh, we all, we all use every day, things like having our rubbish collected, streets swept. Um, and let's not forget, there's quite a lot of services that councils do um, reduce the cost 
um, to, to, to other departments in, in government. So, you know, health and schools, um, you know, are, are being ring-fenced, but, you know, councils do a lot of stuff to stop, you know, people using the NHS. Where would you like to see cuts being made, Peter? I don't think, I don't think we're, we're, you know, we're not going to point the finger at anyone. What we're saying is, you know, the government needs to really look carefully across the board and understand that actually, you know, just coming to local government, you know, we're the only, only bit of the cuts where the government doesn't have to find the savings themselves. They can just take an amount of money out, um, but actually they don't have to make any difficult decisions. So I think that's possibly why uh, the government comes back to local authorities to find, you know, large savings. There are some people suggesting it could actually have been a bit worse, but because it's, we're not looking at it until 2015, it, it's bought a bit of breathing space, hasn't it? I think, I, think what, I think you're possibly right. I think the difficulty is, of course, that the, this is on top of you know, a big reduction in funding um, that we are actually grappling with at the moment. So, you know, as you say, you've already started to see um, some changes in services uh, locally. Um, you know, an extra 10% coming at the end of what is a planned structured reduction of, of sort of 30 to 40%, depending where you are, um, will, be, will be definitely seen by the public. Peter, thanks for coming on this morning. Councillor Peter Fleming from the Local Government Association. Well, the front page of the Daily Express today looks at a warning from the Think Tank Policy Exchange, which says that unless pensions are included in the cap on the welfare budget, the government will have to make a further £40 billion worth of cuts over the next 50 years. Well, I'm joined now by Dr Ros Altman, who is a pensions expert. Good morning, Ros. What, what are your thoughts on this suggestion? Well, I think it's actually a very dangerous suggestion. Um, I think w- what we have to recognise is that there is a huge increase coming in the number of pensioners as we go forward. And if you cap pensioner spending and stop it increasing as the number of pensioners goes up, inevitably you are going to be spending a lot less per pensioner. And if those who reach retirement age and beyond don't have any other way of making up their income. And the state pension itself is meant to be a basic underpin to help people avoid poverty in retirement. You know, it used to be the case that pensioners were automatically assumed to be more likely to be poor. We don't want to go back to days like that. First of all, because it's it's not fair on older people who've paid their taxes and national insurance all their lives in exchange for being promised, you know, a, a state pension when they get older but also it's not good for the economy because if you have more and more people being poorer and poorer they'll have less money to spend and and won't be able to create jobs for the younger Policy Exchange warns that uh, unless this is done and and pensions are capped the budgets for healthcare and education which are ring-fenced at the moment will eventually suffer it's hard to pick which is more important isn't it? It's very difficult but I think there's also a lot of scaremongering I mean don't, don't forget The figures they're projecting go forward 50 years. An awful lot can happen between now and 50 years. The problem we we have immediately is that there is record numbers of people coming through to pension age. There are ways of saving money on pension support, but it's inevitable that if the number of pensioners rises enormously, which it is about to do, you can't just ring fence and cap the spending 
for that department without making pensioners poorer and poorer. So, you know, I think we need a proper analysis and debate about how we assess social spending. We don't exactly pay a lot of money to pensioners in this country anyway. And because it's older people that have built up the country, I mean, they're the ones that worked all their lives to get the economy to the position it's in. And in general, they are not responsible for the economic problems that we've got. You know, they aren't the ones that took on huge debts. They aren't the ones that, uh, if you like, broke the banks. They've been trying to be responsible. And, you know, in society, we, we need to treat older people decently. We can increase the age for state pensions. We're doing that already. Past governments simply didn't prepare properly for the coming uh, period where more and more older people will need to slow down and, and take the benefits that they paid for and take the state pension that they paid for. You know, we, we need to be very careful about how we allocate public spending. There are no easy answers, but I think immediately saying, oh, well, pension spending's got to be uh, cut because there are too many uh, other departments that need money is not really a sensible social policy. Dr. Ros Altman, pensions expert, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. There's a thing on the front page of the, uh, <clears throat> the mail about this. 100,000 expats to lose fuel allowance. More than 100,000 expat pensioners face losing winter fuel payments as George Osborne today reveals plans for a temperature test. The Chancellor will unveil proposals to restrict elderly Britons living in warmer countries from claiming the benefit worth up to £300 a year. Uh, good. And what your problem is, what, you, you've gone off to live in a warm country. You're living in Spain. You're living in Portugal. You're living in, I don't know, another warm country. You want 300 quid a year? You don't live here! That seems an obvious... I mean, in the great scheme of things, it's not going to save, you know, huge amounts. But... That seems obvious, doesn't it? There's been increasing controversy, the mail continues, over pensioners' free TV licences, bus passes and winter fuel payments, with half the Cabinet arguing they should be limited if further squeezes on working-age welfare are to be justified. Turn to page two. Um, Two million pounds every year goes abroad... No, sorry, almost two million pounds goes abroad every week to claimants who qualify for welfare, despite having left the UK. I don't want to sound, um, kind of all right-wing... And fascist, but if you're not living in this country, why are, you, why are we giving you money? Why are we giving you welfare benefits and... Uh, oh God, I'm turning into Nick Ferrari. Why are we giving you welfare benefits and uh, heating allowance, winter fuel allowance? You don't live in this country. You live in this country? Oh, oh of course. Then th- th- there's a, d- a debate to be had there. But if you live on the Algarve, or if you live in Greece, or on Kefalonia, or, or somewhere like that, why on earth are we paying benefits and heating allowance that's an obvious one isn't it i'm not i'm not being controversial when i say that that makes sense there can't be anybody listening to this who disagrees and thinks well no hang on if you do go and live on the costa del sol of course you should get your 300 pounds winter fuel allowance because you've paid into the system no one can can think that can you oh wait four five nine four double five five double five Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. For the moment, most major routes are still looking fine. Certainly no A1M problems. The M1's looking clear. And the A5 through Dunstable not too busy yet this morning. However, the M25 is slowing in various patches. 
First off into the roadworks from Waltham Abbey to Enfield on the anti-clockwise carriageway. It then looks quite slow past Potter's Bar through the works and you've got further delays from the M1 at Junction 21 to Kings Langley at Junction 20 and heavy traffic heading from Maple Cross at Junction 17 toward the M40 at Junction 16. Speed sensors picking up some delays on the southbound A355 with traffic heading from Amersham down toward Beaconsfield. The A40 running reasonably well to and from Beaconsfield and indeed in toward London. And on the trains and tubes, we have no major problems or delays reported. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Adam. Right, 7.16, it's Wednesday the 26th of June, I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday, had been strangled. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out his plans to shave another £11.5 billion of public spending in order to reduce the budget deficit. In sport, Laura Robson has been tipped as a future Grand Slam winner after she knocked out the number 10 seed, Maria Kirilenko, in the first round of Wimbledon yesterday. Coming up, parking charges in Milton Keynes and chest hair. Oh, I know. BBC Three Counties Radio. Every weekday from three, Roberto Peroni. The bosses of a Milton Keynes lorry driver who died after falling asleep at the wheel have been found guilty of manslaughter with the best local news stories. At the moment, Christmas in Luton is at risk. We'll do our best. We'll work with the business community and other sponsors to fund the Christmas lights. The best local travel. Multi-vehicle crash on the M1 northbound just as you come from the M25. It's going to get busy. Three cars involved with the best local talking points. Because I was born female, that was my first sin, if you like, and I don't think I've ever been forgiven for it. Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three, on BBC Three Counties Radio. So you go out to the shops, you take your car, you um, try and park, then you notice that the parking charges have gone up. Well, does it affect the way you shop? Today, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes, its first increase since 2009. Milton Keynes Council earns nearly, get this, £9 million a year from parking. But they say the increases are necessary to generate the income needed to support transport and highways. But what do people shopping and working in Milton Keynes think? Generally, yes, I think the footfall will decline over a period of time, as it has done once the parking was introduced, parking charges was introduced. It's um, steadily declined, and then increases on charges will make people will go further afield to shop. People don't want to park or pay to park, to shop, to spend money. It's already... People are on limited budgets already, so they don't want to have that increased payment for to shop. So generally you find it more at weekends. People might come up during the week is definitely, definitely a decline in, in footfall from people. I've had to uh, prepare myself for this anyway. I, I, I knew it was coming. They did tell a, a bit in advance. So I was over to buy uh, a couple of months uh, ahead. So, you know, but that's short term, you know, in, in the long run. You know, it, it may not necessarily force me to leave the shopping centre, but that's an expenditure. You know, you've, you've got to look at your, your incomes coming in and your outgoings, and it's now £360 opposed to £230 or whatever it was. So... Yeah, it's a big, big uh, money difference. So. Well, Kelvin Reynolds is Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the British Parking Association. Morning, Kelvin. Good morning. Kelvin, no-one's ever happy about increase in parking charges, but local authorities, they do struggle to find the right balance between price and demand. Um, let's, let's not forget there's no such thing as a free parking place. 
somebody's paying for it. Some car parks may be free at the point of use, but some, someone, somewhere, is paying for it. They've got to be upkept, there's got to be maintained. Um, if they're patrolled to keep them safe, someone's paying for that too. So free parking is subsidised in some way, either by council taxpayers or business taxpayers, or a combination of both. I expect local authorities up and down the country will be looking at services currently provided for free and reviewing whether this should continue. They have a choice. They can make conscious decisions about this. A lot of uh, local businesses and market traders in Milton Keynes say that increased costs will force people uh, away from them. I- is there any evidence to support that? No, there isn't. In fact, there is evidence. We've, we've recently, uh, well, I say recently, in January this year, published a report uh, that we did jointly with the Association of Town and City Management that shows there is no direct link between parking charges uh, and footfall um, in town centres. Um, you know, if you were going to a town centre to, uh, or indeed any high street in, in, in the country, uh, to spend some money, uh, whether it be, um, you know, your grocery shopping or, or your um, so-called uh, discretionary spend, you know, your, your, your clothing, your, your, your hi-fis and, uh, and so on. Um, if you're going to spend hundreds of pounds, is it really going to make a difference if you're going to spend a couple of pounds on your parking? I don't think so. Do you hear stories of, of towns and city centres that get it hideously wrong? No. No, not really. Um, I mean, parking charges are high um, in some places where the demand is high. Um, parking, play, parking charges are set low by some local authorities because they want to attract people for a particular reason. It comes back to my point earlier on that there's no such thing as a free parking space um, and local authorities have a choice to determine how those parking spaces are funded. What about the argument, uh, Kelvin, that, that it may not deter people from coming into town and, and parking and shopping, but it might stop them, um, whereas maybe they'd spend three, four hours kind of wandering around, having some lunch, doing some shopping, it might limit the amount of time that people spend in town centres? Well, I think that that's uh, a factor that needs to be taken into account, and in fact, probably the bigger influence of that is the parking tariffs uh, structure rather than the tariff itself. If you have uh, a parking uh, regime where time limits are imposed um, and vehicles need to move on, of course, then people are very conscious of the amount of time they're spending. Whereas if you have um, parking regimes um, and and parking systems where the amount of time that you can spend in town is not actually limited, um, then, then you're less concerned about the time. So it's more about the way the parking is managed rather than the price itself. Milton Keynes um, is going to be charging from today £1.40 an hour for the premium parking space. And I know you're talking about the, it's the tariff as opposed to the specific price, but does that sound reasonable to you? Um, well, it clearly is reasonable for the citizens of Milton Keynes and their local authorities, but um, that's not the highest parking charge in the country by any means. Um, you know, central London um, is, is charging £4 an hour. Uh, and then some... If, hey, if you go to an NCP in central London, you're paying, like, 15 quid an hour sometimes. Exactly. So, you know, I mean, traditionally, Milton Keynes has been built around the motor car. It's a, a, a city that was that grew up and was designed in the 60s and 70s um, around the motor car, um, designed for free movement of the motor car. And indeed, um, I recall, you know, uh, I think parking charges were only introduced there at the turn of the century, if, I'm, if I remember rightly. Um, and so this will have become, um, you know, people will, will have got used to free parking. 
Um, uh, nobody likes to pay for their parking, but someone has to pay for it. Kelvin, thank you very much. I'm old enough to um, uh, have listened to and used the phrase at the turn of the century. Oh, my goodness. What's happened? At the turn of the century. That's Kelvin Reynolds, Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the British Parking Association. Well, has the increase in charges in Milton Keynes well, affect your shopping? Do parking charges affect your shopping habits? 08459 455 555. Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. What's happening to the men of this country? What's happening to us? Page 22 and 23 of the Daily Mail, my, my go-to newspaper when it comes to men's grooming habits. Why do modern men hate chest hair? Well, do you? Are you a modern man? I, now that I can use the phrase turn of the century and, and mean something that happened in my lifetime, I'm not a modern man, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. But are you a young, trendy, modern man? Do you wax your, hair, your chest hair, shave it? You don't pluck it, do you? Ooh, hoo, hoo, hoo. 08459 455 555. The pictures in here of, well, some rather horrible bodies uh, with, with uh, smooth chests. Um, Farida jokes that Rob's new look has at least freed up some valuable bathroom time. But on a more serious note, she admits she prefers Rob's skin to be silky smooth and she finds his newfound confidence attractive. He used to hate summer, but now he can just relax and enjoy it. Because he's got no chest hair. If you've waxed, gentlemen, give me a call. 08459 455 555. Is it as painful as it looks? Well, someone who's uh, as hairy as I am... Justin Daly. Morning, Justin. <laughs> Hello, Ian. I didn't, I didn't know where that sentence was going, so I no. bailed out quite quickly. I was panicking for a second. Do you know what? The Daily Mail, how sexist are they? Page 22 and 23, all these topless men, yet the women, their partners, are fully clothed. Now, what on earth is that all about? It's very sexy. Yeah, sexist. terrible. Sorry, terrible. Sexist. Well, you say that. Um, they off, they, the mail always has spreads. Is it the mail today? There's one of the newspapers, maybe it's the sum, that's, they always have spreads of women in, uh, uh, who are odd shapes in yeah. bikinis. Strange. Very, very strange. You're, okay, you're disappointed. You've got chest hair. Would you ever wax yours off? No, absolutely not, because uh, over the years I've had some great feedback on my chest hair. <laughs> I bet you yeah. I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> Go down well. But uh, I'm in St Albans this morning, and I've been asking people about the big topic of the day, chest hair, and here's what people had to say. Madam, what do you think about men who, who wax? Are they just vain? I think they are very vain, actually, and it's very feminine, I should think, yes. So you prefer a bit of hair, then? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> not too much, though. Not too hairy. <laughs> now, madam, you said they are sick, did you say? <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. I, just, I just don't find it very attractive. Very, I just find it repulsive, really. <laughs> what, men plucking and waxing? Yes. And, yeah. yeah, it's not natural. Men should yes. be men. Well, here we have Mary and John. Mary, your husband John here has got a nice bit of chest hair, so I'm presuming that you like the chest hair, don't you? Yes, Come I on, do. John, get it out. Come on. Look at that. There's Look nothing. At that. Two, three. Oh, beautiful. It's beautiful. There's so, nothing wrong with chest hair at all. Yeah? No, I like it on a man. So what do you think about these men that, that go off and wax? If John said to you, Mary, do you know what? Tonight I'm going to go and have a chest wax. <laughs> what would you think? It couldn't stand the pain. <laughs> now, Puffett, you're 80 years old, correct? Yes. Do you prefer a man with chest hair or without chest hair? Without. Why? 
Well, it's much more attractive. Yeah. Sexier. Yes. Oh, for goodness sakes. <laughs> she's she's an antique listener. No, hang on. She's a classic old woman. No, hang on. She's yeah. one of our prized <laughs> listeners, yes. if she can hear me. And she prefers smooth-chested men. Absolutely. Do you know, from my extensive research in St Albans in Hertfordshire this yeah. morning, Ian, I can exclusively reveal that the younger ladies, well, they like chest hair. The older ladies, 80-plus, they hate it. They find it much sexier if a man is smooth. We've got some uh, uh, Facebook uh, comments here. Uh, Pete says, Myself and my good friend Tony will be having our chests and abs waxed for charity. What's an ab? Um, Is that your stomach? uh, Yeah, I think so. He's he's, he's a Muppet. And he says, I love my chest hair. Wouldn't get rid of it. Warren, I'd like to have a bit of chest hair. But what? But I'm really pleased to have all of mine still present on top. And, mm. <laughs> and Michael says it took me years to grow, but now because of all my heart testing, I try to shave it so it doesn't get ripped off with the sticky pads. Oh, oh bless whoa. him! You got to think about these celebrities. Think about Hugh Jackman, I Simon Cowell, the Hoff, the Hoff. Come on, yeah. you name me a lady who doesn't like the Hoff. Look at his chest, Everybody nice and hairy. Wants to jump in the back seat of the Knight Rider yes. car and make out with uh, Michael Knight. <laughs> yes. uh, now, Justin, I believe that uh, we've got a little surprise for you. Oh, have you? Yeah, after eight o'clock. Mm. We're going to wax your chest hair live on air. Uh, wouldn't be the first time I got out of it the last time. You won't be getting out of it this time. Mm. You will. I've just made it up. But just bear yeah, in mind that yeah. I have the power to make you do that. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, just for a laugh one day, how about you and I, we uh, we go and try this. We, we go for a wax together. Yeah, what do you fine. Uh, yeah, fine, definitely. You go first. And yeah. I, I promise, <laughs> I promise I'll do it as soon as you finish. Where is he? Where's Ian? Yeah. Where's he? Oh, oh, he's gone. Muppet. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays of up to 15 minutes on the trains. We've got a broken down train affecting services between Milton Keynes Central and Watford Junction, so that'll be affecting Virgin Trains, London Midland and Southern services running through there. On the M25, anti-clockwise patches of traffic. It's slow moving from the M11 to the A10 into and through the roadworks, then from St Albans Junction 21A to Watford at Junction 19 and from Maple Cross down to the M4, that latter stretch, taking about 25 minutes to get through already this morning. In toward London, Boreham and the A1 along the Barnet Bypass. It's queuing from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And if you're heading further into London, problems on the North Circular Road at Brent Cross. There's a lane blocked by a broken down vehicle at Staples Corner, the end of the M1, and it's causing congestion back as far as the A502 Brent Street. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. 7.30 News and Sport now. It's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A post-mortem has found that 11-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday, had been strangled. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out his plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in order to reduce the budget deficit. And 28 Conservative MPs, including five local Tories, are trying to block a bill which would give Parliament the power to spend an unlimited amount on the HS2 rail link. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Laura Robson's through to the second round of Wimbledon after a straight sets win over the 10th seed Maria Kirilenko. She joins Kim Kleisters, Lee Na, Petra Kvitova, Agnieszka Radvanska and Venus Williams among the big names Robson had beaten in the last year, but she's not making space in her trophy cabinet quite yet. I haven't thought about it. I'm still, um, you know, going match by match, as I said before the tournament, and um, I just have to play my own game and stay focused and... Um, I think I'm playing Duque Marino next. So, yeah, she's 
tough for sure and she's pretty consistent and I think she's got quite a nasty little slice. So, yeah, it's going to be a tough match. In football, Carlos Tevez is on the verge of a move to the Italian champions Juventus after Manchester City agreed a deal for the striker said to be worth up to £12 million. Dean Lewington has signed a new two-year deal with MK Dons, left-back's the longest-serving player at the club, and next season will be Lewington's 10th campaign with the Dons. Meanwhile, coach Ian Wright has left the club, although he'll continue to help on an ad hoc basis. Wickham Wanderers have signed winger Paris Cowan Hall from Plymouth Argyle. That's on a two-year deal. And finally, the British Swimming Championships, which double as the World Trials, begin today in Sheffield. Luton's Lawrence Palmer competes in the 50 metres breaststroke and Aylesbury's Craig Gibbons is in the 100 metres as well as the 50 metres freestyle, which takes place today. It's going to take a big swim, but I've put the training in this year and off the back of a successful Olympic year and everything that went well for me last year, the confidence is high, so I'm looking forward to it. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at 8 o'clock. Do those names again for us. No. Hey, go on. Why? I didn't quite I, catch them. I hadn't read them before. And Try, uh, we, we, I saw them looming over the horizon and started to panic a bit. Well, you've read them now, so let, let's, let's... Hang on, I need to go back. OK. It's, it's, you know, I've got to unplay or... Just, um, can you sing or something? The tide is high, but I'm holding on. I'm going to be your number one. OK, you, okay. right. Uh, here we go. She joins Kim Clijsters, Lina, Petra Kritova and Jeska Radvanska and Venus Williams. There you go, you see. When I got to Venus Williams, I was relieved. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is Ian Lee. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Do uh, parking charges affect your shopping habits? Parking charges are being increased in Milton Keynes today. First time in four years. Is it going to change your shopping? 08459 455 555. We're also talking about HS2, talking about um, cuts to uh, to try and... Stop the money that's spiralling out of this country that's going to be announced today. And also, hairy men. Lots, lots and lots to cover. But before that, it's a David versus Goliath story. A small business owner based at a Hertfordshire railway station has vowed to fight Greater Anglia's decision to serve them notice to quit. The franchise holders of Bishop Stortford Station are developing plans for a £1.7 million upgrade and have served a six-month notice to Susan Lodder, who opened her Nibbles snack bar there 22 years ago. It's been there for 22 years! Susan has set up the Save Nibbles campaign. She's very distressed that she's only got six months left at the station, even though she wants to take the business forward. I've got new ideas, fresh ideas. I want to update, but they categorically don't want us there. They want to move us on. I mean, I've served the public there for 22 years. You know, we've seen kids grow up. People come along to the station in the morning. We're the first person that a lot of them speak to. You know, my lady there knows what... No one says, I want a coffee or a tea. We know. We know if they have sugar, if they don't. We have that personal service. You know, you're going to get a multinational company going there. That you know, you're going to come in and you're going to face a scanner. You're not going to face a person. Well, this is what some of her customers have had to say about what's happening to Nibbles. It's a road job. They've been here for 20-odd years. I'm a taxi driver, so we use it all the time. It's a local service, and it's pushing them out. I suppose that's the sum of the times, isn't it? The, the little man's kind of pushed out, and the, kind of the mass, sort of, yeah, the big chains kind of take over. It's a bit of a shame, man. 
Well, I'm joined now by Conservative Councillor for Bishop Stortford West, Colin Woodward. Good morning, Colin. Good morning to you. Colin, what do you think about what's happening to Nibbles? I think it's outrageous what's happening to the independents such as Nibbles. As you rightly say there, it's a David and Goliath battle, um, but it's actually got national implications as well as local implications because we're finding the train operating companies, including Greater Anglia, are doing this all over the country, picking off the small businesses. And uh, we need to stand up and um, try and resist as best we can. This, this redevelopment at the station needs to happen. £1.7 million. It's going to be fantastic when it's eventually done. But why do they feel the need to get rid of, of Nibbles? Well, is it going to be fantastic? Yes, we need station improvements. But actually, uh, th- this is going ahead without any local public input. Customers are not being asked what they want. Greater Anglia have... Uh, just uh, quite arrogantly actually said we know what customers want, they're refusing to do a customer survey and uh, they're using rights uh, granted under public utilities to push through a planning application to largely demolish the station which is actually described as a happy blend of the 1842 and 1962 improvements in its design that they could incorporate into a new design and uh, local planning officers are not getting any say on this, local democratically elected councillors are not getting any say and uh, they are putting forward a modern glass structure without any sympathy to being on the edge of the conservation area or, as I say, in any regard to what customers or the public might want. Now, Greater Anglia have said that they haven't begun the, the, the tender process for the new retail facility, and Susan will be given the opportunity to tender for uh, the, the, the retail facility. So that, that's, that's fair, isn't it? I, I would like to think that that was fair, but um, I had a meeting with the head of retail of Greater Anglia, who told me quite categorically there was no planning application in. Uh, there's simply been pre-application discussions. But one hour after that meeting, I visited the Bishop Stortford Town Council offices, saw a full planning application with a glass edifice replacing our station completely and emblazoned across the top. It had W.H. Smith. So I'm not entirely sure that uh, uh, this is all even, uh, even-handed and fair. Is this a sign of the times, uh, Colin? Listen, I'm a huge fan of small independent shops. I use them whenever I get the opportunity to. But, but in 2013, are these businesses feasible? I think they certainly are feasible. There's a lot of customer support there. And there's over 2 million passengers, I think, a year going through the Bishop Stortford Station. So there's a lot of support um, for that local businesses there. And uh, what I'm uh, also finding is that the town has embraced um, Susan Lotus' uh, campaign because a lot of other businesses in the town, small businesses uh, like Marketing Kinetics and our long-established solicitors, Tees and Bishop Stortford, um, IT vets, have all come together to help with this campaign, which we're now realising has not only just this local dimension, which is vitally important to us, but also, as I said earlier, the national application. Colin Woodward, uh, Conservative Councillor for Bishop Stortford, West, thank you for coming on. Uh, Greater Anglia didn't want to come on the programme today. Yabu sucks. Come on, guys, if you've got a problem with it, come on and talk to us. But they did tell us, we haven't yet begun the tender process for the new retail facility. As part of the £1.7 million improvement scheme, which is planned and will greatly improve the facilities for our customers at the station, Mrs Lodder, is, uh, as an existing station tenant, will have the opportunity to tender for the new retail facility. Hmm, I wonder how much that's going to cost. I wonder if the uh, rent involved might be significantly higher than what she's paying now. 08459 four double five five double five. What do you think? Is it fair? Is this just part of progress? Do we need to accept it? 
Or is it the, 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 the little man, in this case the little woman, uh, being squashed by the, uh, the, the big multinational? Well, Chris is on the line. Chris, you've been supporting uh, uh, Nibbles, haven't you? I have, What yeah. have you been doing? Um, just really echoing the thoughts of, of Colin Woodward and supporting um, Sue as um, a local resident of, um, of Bishop Stortford. Um, I think it's outrageous that we're taking away small businesses um, up and down the country and we're, allow- and we're allowing this to happen. Um, and I admire the, um, the fight that, that Sue's putting up. Chris, tell me why, why this particular coffee shop, this little sandwich bar, why it's, why it's so unique and so different? Well, it's a hub of a community, and all of these coffee shops up and down the country on stations are hubs of communities. And once we take away the independence of communities, then what are we left with? We're left with a homogenised um, society where we go down any high street in any town and um, we look at the same thing everywhere. We like individuality. We like independent businesses, and we like to be able to talk and communicate with these independent businesses. It's important that we have individuality in towns. Is something like Nibbles, though, is it an, an, an old-fashioned concept that we, we kind of, you know, we like to, to think of ourselves supporting small independent businesses, but the reality is, in 2013, there isn't any place for them on the high street or on train stations like this? Well, I, I disagree. I mean... Where are we going in the future? We're, we're look, I was listening to your guy about parking um, as well. Do we want high streets or do we not want high streets? And do we not want individuality? Um, was old-fashioned that bad? Well, there's, uh, listen, there's a, there's a whole phoning show in itself with that question. Chris, thank you for that. Tomorrow, was old-fashioned that bad? It's a, it's a cracking question. Well, I, I totally get the point. Chris, thank you very much uh, indeed. Andrew's in Hatfield. Morning, Andrew. Good morning. You've called in about this. What's, what's your take on this? Well, I w- I'm a taxi driver and I work from Hatfield Station. I have done for 35 years. Um, but they're just going to start shortly a revamp of the whole station and some of the improvements will be good. But one of the things that's going to happen is because the expectations of our buildings are going to be extended out, there's apparently going to be retail outlets inside. Um, and the coffee shop... That we, that we use and other people use, which is a really good one, he's been told he's got to go. Um, just sort of put him out of business. And he's got a coffee shop on Potter's Bar Station, Hatfield Station and Stevenage Station. And what do you think about it? Do you, do, I mean, th- th- there is an argument that this... <sighs> These small, independent little little shops and coffee shops, th- there isn't a place for them in 2013. Well, that's a shame, isn't it? Because, I mean, they give a really good personal service. And they, they really are useful to us. I mean, we can get our newspaper, get our tea and coffee there. It's very reasonably priced. Um, the staff are ultra-friendly. And uh, I don't, I, I'm fed up with seeing all the big multi-companies taking over these places. You don't fancy another WH Smiths, then, Andrew? I've never gone in one in my life. Uh, they, look, they look like a jumble sale in those shops. There's just stuff everywhere. I, I just don't like it. It's very impersonal. You, do you know what you are? WH Smith has always struck me as an odd, uh, an odd shop. You're right, and I do shop in WH Smith from time to time. It is very messy in there, isn't it? It looks like the stock's just arrived and haven't put it on the shelves yet. I mean, and you have to, and you have to queue. I hate queuing up. <laughs> do you know what? When you said that, Andrew, <laughs> when you said that, I felt the pain and anguish in your voice. I hate queuing up as well. It's, it's one of my least favourite things. If I walk in a shop. 
and there's a big queue and there's like a dozen tills and only three are open i will honestly i'll walk straight out andrew thank you very much indeed did you hear the anguish in his voice then i hate queuing up i yeah, i agree and he's right I, and i do use smiths because they do have um an excellent s- selection of music magazines and comics so i can go in and get me mojo uh, and the boy can go in and get his whatever rubbish it is he's w- reading this week. It's, it's still the um, Octonauts at the moment. Uh, but it is a mess in there. WH Smith doesn't quite know what it wants to be. Is it a news agent? Is it a toy shop? Is it a bookshop? Is it, uh, what is it? I'm surprised it's still doing well. I, I really thought when Woolworths went that Smith's was going to be the next to know. But it, it, it keeps, keeps on thriving. What do you think? Are you... Uh, I mean, we're talking about nibbles here. This, uh, this particular shop at this particular station. We can uh, expand it slightly to the small independent shop versus the, uh, the big corporation, Globotech. What do you prefer? Do you, do you support your small local shops? A little bit pricier, aren't they? But you do uh, apparently get a more individualistic customer experience. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. A broken down train between Leighton Buzzard and Watford Junction is causing delays of up to fifteen minutes for London Midland, Virgin Trains, and Southern services between Milton Keynes Central and Watford Junction. No estimate for when we'll get things back to normal through there, unfortunately. That train needs to be moved out of the way first. The clockwise M25, traffic's pretty heavy as you go into the roadworks section from Junction 23 at the A1M. Anti-clockwise looking slow into the roadworks as well, with delays that start back at the M11 and run through toward Potter's Bar. It's also busy anti-clockwise from the M1 to Watford, Junction 21 to 19, and it's taking about 25 minutes or so to get from Watford round to the M4, Junction 19 to 15, so almost one big patch of slow-moving traffic now. Queues into London through Boreham Wood, the A1 southbound from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. And we've still got problems at Brent Cross, the A406, the North Circular Road. It's queuing at the minute because a vehicle broke down earlier at Staples Corner. The good news, though, is that has been moved out of the way. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Seven forty-six. It's uh, Wednesday, the twenty-sixth of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that eleven-year-old Rebecca Thompson, who was found dead at her home in Bushy on Saturday, had been strangled. Twenty-eight Conservative MPs, including five local Tories, are trying to block a bill which would give Parliament the power to spend an unlimited amount on the HS2 rail link. In sport. Oh, here we go. Eyes down for a full house. Andy Murray's in second round action today. He takes on Taipei's Yen Hun Lu on court number one. Defending champion Roger Federer faces Ukrainian Sahihi Stakakovsky. <clears throat> Coming up, live interview with Sahihi Stakakovsky. Not really, not really. We'll be talking HS2. MPs will discuss the next stage of HS2 today. 08459 555555. Before that, here's the weather with Sahihi Stakakovsky. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
This will be the moment where I try and do an accent. I won't bother. No, don't do don't do the accent. We'll all get in terrible trouble, Sarah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. No, we'll don't do the accent. Trouble because I can't even do my own accent, let alone anyone else's. No matter huh? where it comes from around the world. It is 12 degrees at the moment near Milton Keynes. It's 12 degrees at Harpenden. It's 12 degrees actually even at uh, High Wycombe, and we've got a lot of cloud around. But that cloud will thin and break. We'll see some good brighter sunny spells coming through across the three counties today. The further north you are, the more likely you are to hang on to the cloud. Actually, uh, but even there, we'll have uh, some bright spells coming through. In the best of any sunshine, top temperature of 20 or 21 Celsius. That's 70 in Fahrenheit. We do have the risk of a little light shower just coming through uh, late this afternoon into the evening. Now it's just a risk, and largely it should be until uh, not until about seven or eight o'clock. But it's something to be aware of, and of course. Uh, potentially that could affect play at SW19 but it looks like largely it shouldn't come through until uh, play is finished for the evening but tomorrow I can't promise you a totally dry day because we'll start dry uh, with a bit of patchy mist around actually first thing tomorrow morning and some good sunny or bright spells to start the day but cloud increasing from the west and that will bring us some patchy rain by the middle part of the afternoon becoming more widespread and less patchy actually as we go through the latter part of the afternoon into the evening uh, so that could affect play at Wimbledon, if you're interested in that, it could affect play at the Oval tomorrow night if you're interested in the cricket. And also, it will be around first thing on Friday too. Before that, top temperature tomorrow, 19 Celsius, and then it'll clear away slowly but surely through the day on Friday. Again, though, it could affect play at Wimbledon first thing on Friday. And then the weekend is looking dry and settled with some good spells of sunshine, Ian. Thank you very much, Sir Hee not Sir He He, Sarah Thornton. I do apologise. How rude of me. Original British drama on BBC One. This is John Luther. I've got a killer on the loose. Supposed to be representing the law, and yet it operates in his own sense of justice. You're such a gentle man. Oh, no, no, Who is she? Who is she? If you take me down, I'll take you down even harder. Luther returns next Why? Tuesday night at nine on BBC One and BBC One HD. Why? Well, I shall certainly uh, be Sky Plusing that and uh, probably not watching it. It doesn't sound like my cup of tea, but I bet you'll like it. Oh, it sounds wonderful for you, just not my thing. MPs will discuss the next stage of HS2 today. The £36 billion high-speed railway is planned to run through the Chilterns. If passed, today's bill will allow the government to press ahead with buying land, paying off residents and designing the route. Well, Chief uh, Treasury Secretary Danny Alexander has told the Commons the government is committed to the project. As a massive project that has the capacity completely to transform uh, the regional and ec- regional economic geography of this country, this government is totally committed to delivering it, and we will do so. Well, there's, uh, though there's lots of opposition along the route in Buckinghamshire, there is considerable support for the project among the business community in the north. Well, John Lamb is from the Birmingham Chamber of Commerce, gr- uh, Commerce Group. He's in our studios in Birmingham. And John Gladwin is from the Chiltern Society, who oppose HS2. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to use your surnames just to make things a little bit easier, so don't think I'm being formal. We'll start with you, Mr Gladwin. Tell us why there's so much opposition in this area. Well, first of all, uh, the railway doesn't look as though it's needed at the moment. Uh, capacity is, uh, is certainly uh, can be provided uh, on alternative bases. Uh, Rod Ed- Edrington, in his report, recommended upgrading uh, 
existing assets first rather than new and new schemes last. Uh, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that the business reports have come out from the National Audit Office and from the Major Projects Authority saying that uh, the, the, the economics don't look very good. Um, thirdly, uh, the capacity used to calculate uh, HS2 uh, was uh, shown to be using an older model, and when they did the uh, West Coast Main Line franchise, uh, the new model showed substantially lower growth in demand. So we can see that it, this argument about capacity isn't needed. Um, well, let's put let's put those points uh, to, to Mr. Lamb. You, you're in favour of this. What do you think about the, the the figures? Are all a little bit wrong? Yeah. They, well, yes. I mean that, that that has been admitted, hasn't it? That the the the, the opposition based some figures on outdated and obsolete um, economics. Uh, but uh, for Mr. Gladwin to say uh, that it's not needed at the moment, um, that may well be true. But in twenty, thirty years' time, I don't I don't know where he thinks we will we'll be going. Um, th- this is absolutely vital for the um, economic well-being of the country. It will link eight of uh, Britain's ten major cities and uh, it, upgrading existing lines just hasn't worked. We've spent £9 billion on trying to upgrade the West Coast Main Line. It hasn't worked. Every train that leaves Birmingham that I get on, or leaves London that I get on, uh, is absolutely stacked to the gunnels today. Not in 20, 30 years' time. What's it going to be like then? Uh, John Gladwin? Uh, the, the, clear, uh, the clear situation is that uh, uh, all the all the capacity demand uh, calculations from the DFT show that uh, there is not going to be that growth. Now, it depends on which train you get on. If you get on a train just after the peak, yes, they are full because the fares are 40% cheaper. Uh, if you get on one at the peak, I mean, the, these figures have been done recently. Most trains leaving, when they had nine carriages, uh, leaving uh, Houston and Birmingham, uh, had something like uh, 50% capacity, and they've now increased the the carriages from 9 to 11, and that takes the capacity utilisation down to 30-odd percent. Uh, John Gladwin, what about the, the... We also have three first-class carriages on a, on a nine-carriage train, and those are shown to be running at very, very little capacity. So we could, re- we could reduce the number of first class. John Gladwin, what about the benefits uh, to, to businesses outside of this area? I mean, John Lamb no doubt thinks there are huge business benefits in Birmingham. We have to take into account the whole country, don't we? I well, believe we, we do. do. I mean, I think the good examples are uh, in France, um, Marseille and Lyon, which both showed that... Uh, 60 to 70 percent of the new jobs created uh, finished up in Paris and the Lyon and Marseille both grew but they grew at the expense of cities around them and I can tell you that from I, I worked in Lille and Lille has had exactly the same experience and the Pas de Calais. John Lamb, how do you respond to that? Well I think that the, the, the research that we've done in Birmingham shows that uh, the whole region is going to benefit and there is a huge um, hub planned for the area around Birmingham Airport and the NEC already a major uh, centre for the country so the occlusion of HS2 will make um, the m- makes economic sense and uh, the roads are all already 
uh, packed around these parts. You can't um, get along the motorways in the morning. I've just managed to scrape in, but uh, you know the delays are enormous. And this um, project is going to uh, ease the congestion on the on the M6 and the M42 and the M40 uh, to a huge extent. John Lamb, what about the the way it affects? Um, individuals, forget business for a second, but uh, it's affecting people's houses, people's homes, people's lives. It's going to cut through wonderful part of the British countryside. Is that really a cost worth paying? Yes, it is, because uh, you know, when the Chilterns are not alone in this. This is going to have a big impact in the area where I live, which is in, within a mile of where the uh, um, HS2 route is proposed. Uh, but people, a lot of people around here understand that uh, the economics of this make absolute sense, and it's got to be done for progress's sake. The, but by two, 2026, we will not be able to move on the existing rail routes, even just uh, tinkering with uh, capacity capacity and first-class carriages is not going to work. John Lamb, is this just nimbyism? To a degree, but it's understandable, isn't it? I mean, I could, you know, as I said, I, I, I live within a mile of the proposed route, but I'm not against it. I can understand that. And if you look at the tech, new technology available today to reduce noise and to reduce the environmental impact, um, it, the whole thing begins to make sense. And it's one of those things that we've just got to put up with. And I think I would suggest that it's something that the Chilterns has got to put up. John Gladwin? Well, the first thing I would say is that it's not just the Chilterns that's impacted. It's all the way along the line. I mean, I think some of the, some of the countryside in Warwickshire is absolutely stunning, and it's going to be heavily impacted by it. Uh, in the Chilterns, what have they done? They've tunnelled it where they're near towns, and they're taking it through the most beautiful open countryside where they don't, where it, there are no people. But what is the point of having uh, de- designated areas like uh, AOMB, or oh, sorry, areas of natural outstanding natural beauty? which have the same sta- status as national parks. And then as soon as you say, oh, well, um, we need a bit of growth in the north, uh, we'll just ram it straight through a national park. I mean, the routes that have been looked at are wrong. Uh, without a doubt, they, they've gone through the widest part of the Chilterns. They haven't looked at going uh, at following motorways. Interestingly enough, if you look at it uh, when they've designed Phase 2, They've avoided all national parks and AOMBs, and uh, uh, they've also uh, followed motorways and railways. So, you know, the first thing is, if we're talking about the future, the first thing we need to do is to sort out where we're going to put the runways. Once we sort out where we put the runways, we can then decide what infrastructure we need. But, for instance, if the government decides it wants to take Stansted uh, as uh, the new hub in the southeast then the sensible thing to do would be to connect high-speed rail to Stansted. John, uh, uh, just stop there for a, s- a second. Uh, Mr Lamb, I'm getting confused with all these Johns. He's got a point, hasn't he? I mean, all this is going to do really, isn't it, is just make it a little bit quicker to get into London from the rest of the country. No, well, yeah, I mean, that's an added bonus. Uh, the, the, the main problem here is capacity despite what john says the, the capacity is going to run out and and high speed 
happens to be a bonus. We, why not build a high-speed train if we can? And uh, really, John's remark about this is all being done for a bit of growth in the north really sums it up, doesn't it? You know, um, it isn't a bit of growth. It's it's an absolutely vital economic move uh, for the whole of the country, one that will have an impact on eight major cities in this country. Chaps, we, we have to end it there. Sorry to cut you short. Uh, John Lamb was the last voice you heard there from the Birmingham Chamber of Commerce Group. Uh, he was in our studios in Birmingham and John Gladwin is from the Chiltern Society who opposes HS2. I hope you both feel you got your points across. We should just call everybody by their surnames from now on. Isn't that a much more civilised way of doing these things? You see, there was a nice reasoned debate. I think because we were being a little bit more formal. Thank you, Johns. Here's a travel with John Glynn's for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, John Lee. The clockwise M25, heavy traffic as you go past the A1M Junction 23 into the roadworks. Anti-clockwise looking very slow through the roadworks as well. It's pretty slow from the M11 at Junction 27 all the way through to the A1M, taking about 35 minutes to get through. If you're continuing further around the M25 anti-clockwise from Kings Langley to the M40, Junction 20 to 16, you've got a big patch of slow moving traffic now, taking around 35 or 40 minutes to get through. In toward London, Boreham Wood, the A1 is queuing along the Barnet Bypass from Stirling Corner toward Mill Hill Circus. If you're going further into London, Brent Cross and the North Circular totally clear now at Staples Corner after a broken down car earlier this morning. On the trains though, 15 minute delays, a broken down train between Lake Buzzard and Watford Junction, affecting London, Midland, Virgin and Southern. John Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, John. Coming up... Do you like chest hair? We'll be speaking to our chest hair correspondent, John Dealey. But before that, here's the news. You've got it with John Boyle. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 8 o'clock. The headlines, 11-year-old strangled in Bushy, Commons revolt over HS2 and parking fees rise in Milton Keynes. BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. The body of Rebecca Thompson was found by her mother at the family's home in Homefield Road. Rebecca's father has been arrested on suspicion of murder. He's in hospital after being involved in a traffic collision on Saturday morning. Police are waiting until he's well enough to be questioned. The government is facing a Commons revolt over plans for a high-speed rail link between London and Birmingham. 28 Conservative MPs, including five local Tories, are trying to block a move which would allow the government to spend an unlimited amount on HS2. The coalition says the rail link will breathe new life into the economy, but the rebels, including Chesham and Amersham's Cheryl Gillen, aren't convinced. I looked at this project and I started off by saying it goes through an area of outstanding natural beauty. It's my constituency. I'm against it. I then looked at it in more detail and I think it's the wrong project. The Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out plans to shave another £11.5 billion off public spending in order to reduce the budget deficit. Here's our political editor, Nick Robinson. This was a day not in the Chancellor's original plan. The age of austerity was scheduled to end before the next election and with it cuts to public spending. However, the failure of the economy to grow and the deficit to carry on shrinking has forced George Osborne to announce a new round of cuts to begin a month before the next election in 2015. Spending on the NHS, schools and overseas aid will continue to be protected. The intelligence services will be the biggest winner. And the Chancellor will herald long-term plans to invest more in Britain's infrastructure on building roads, railways and housing. 
Thieves have forced a Luton pensioner to withdraw a substantial amount of cash from his bank account. Carol Abercrombie has the details. Police are keen to talk to any witnesses to the crime which happened a week ago between three and four o'clock in the afternoon. The strangers, a woman who had oriental features and a man with a dark complexion, parked their silver or grey car in Chapel Street close to New Street. The woman told their victim that she was ill and needed money for medicine. She and the man then threatened the pensioner and forced him to go home to get his bank details before taking the money out of the bank. The cost of parking in Milton Keynes goes up today. The price you'll pay for a premium space is risen by 20 pence an hour, while a standard spot will cost 10p more per hour. Milton Keynes Council earns nearly £9 million a year from parking, although this is the first price rise for four years. In sport, Laura Robson's been tipped as a future Grand Slam winner after knocking out the number 10 seed Maria Kirilenko in the first round of Wimbledon yesterday. Robson was the only British player through on day two after defeats for Heather Watson and Hertfordshire's Tara Moore. The weather today mainly dry with sunny spells and the chance of isolated showers later this afternoon. Top temperature 21 degrees Celsius, that's 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, John. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, here every weekday between six and nine o'clock. Don't forget... You can download the podcast. Oh, yes, there's a podcast, a weekly podcast of the show. I believe four episodes are out already. Rush, rush to iTunes, download. Oh, and leave nice comments as well. Thank you very much. Coming up, though, between now and uh, JVS at nine o'clock, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes today. It's the first increase since 2009. Has the cost of parking changed the way that you shop? A small business owner based at a Hertfordshire railway station has vowed to fight a decision that could see the store replaced with a WH Smith's. Independent shops versus big chain stores. What do you prefer? Speaking of preferences, do you prefer hairy men? I know, I know. It turns out more and more of you, ladies, prefer your men to be smooth. Really? For goodness sakes, grow up. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Now, how do you chop £11.5 billion off of public spending? Well, the Chancellor will reveal later today how he plans to do it. The new round of cuts will come in 2015. Speaking in the Commons yesterday, George Osborne confirmed that the NHS and education are vital services which will be offered real protection. I can confirm that we will be offering real protection to our National Health Service and to our schools. These are vital public services. They are an investment in our economic future and they are all about doing what we need to do to win that global race. Well, it'll be his second spending review. The first, his £83 billion review in 2010, was meant to bring the economy back on course. Well, it did little or no growth, and it means he's still got a hole in his finances, as the director of the Institute for Fiscal Studies, Paul Johnson, explains. They've managed to get the spending cuts so far to stick. In fact, they've over-delivered on the spending cuts, but there's still a lot more to do because of that lack of tax revenue. Well, local authorities are looking at making a further 10% in savings, and we're being told that the cut will mean that more of us will notice a difference. 
The Trades Union Congress is warning it'll be public sector parents who'll be hit worst by the cuts. They're suggesting that more than 180,000 children with a parent working in the public sector will be pushed into poverty by 2015. They're collecting stories across the UK from people who are being affected by the cuts and today they've brought a big bust to the three counties. Well, Laurie Heselton from the TUC joins me live in the studio. Morning, Laurie. Thanks for coming in. The TUC, TUC says it's going to convict the government with these stories. Are they going to take any notice? Well, we, we brought a bus uh, to Luton as part of a, a two-week uh, tour. There are actually three buses going around the country and one um, in Wales and another um, in Scotland in addition to that. Um, obviously, the TUC, we collect lots of evidence, statistics, crunch some numbers, but it's really important uh, to collect real-life stories to contextualise that information. So what kind of stories have you got? Well, the Stories are legion across society. Now, parents with children in poverty, pensioners in poverty, public sector workers uh, with pay freezes, people losing their jobs. But even more than that, people who are seemingly employed but have um, uh, you know, very few hours to work or working way below their skill level. And it needs to be remembered that although the employment figures look strong, uh, the, the value of the average wage per hour in the east of England since 2007 has fallen by 10%, by 10%. And that means an awful lot of people are living with, if you like, austerity, squeezed pay and cuts. Mm. Why public sector workers? Why are you focusing on, on, on those? Uh, well, IFS, Institute of Fiscal Studies, has calculated and agreed that there'll be a million extra children in poverty um, by, by 2020. Uh, we're focusing a bit on public sector workers today because they've had, some of them, a three-year pay freeze and they're now looking at uh, a pay freeze going on into the future. A pay freeze isn't an abstract thing. If someone's on possibly a low-paid job already, particularly with the NHS or local authorities, and have had, had a pay freeze for three years... It's not surprising that by the time that that runs through time, um, that their children are forced into poverty. What's the definition of poverty? Because to me, poverty is kids haven't got any food. When a lot of people have got three TVs, two cars, a couple of iPads, that's not poverty, is it? No. Well, there's a technical definition which is you know sixty percent of median wages or whatever. That won't necessarily mean an awful lot to people listening in. But another definition of poverty is that we now have half a million people in Britain going to a food bank every week. We've got a food bank here in Luton. Mm. We've got uh, soup kitchens opening up all around um, the country. And the advance that had been made on, children, on child poverty is now going backwards, if you like. And it's, we're reaching a situation where, if you like, poverty for a lot of people is the new normal. What do you suggest the government does then? From the TUC perspective, we, we don't think that there's no hope that there isn't an alternative. We have a campaign plan and we have uh, um, a, a programme of measures that we'd like to be taken. We'd like a stimulus package like the one that they have in the United States, which has helped a lot in boosting their uh, economy. It needs to remember our economy is still 3% smaller than it was in 2008. We'd like an industrial strategy like the one they've got in Germany. We'd like uh, a training and education well, the strategy. Like the, the German economy Germany. is kind of slowing down and looking like it's, it's, it's about to buck its recent trend, isn't it? Um, it? It might be slowing down, but everything is relative. It's not slowing down relative to us, and it's doing it at, if you like, a high uh, uh, living standard already. There's no doubt the German economy is well suited um, to go forwards. We also like... Uh, uh, critically, a house building uh, program, building houses, 
gives some uh, places for people to live, but it also gives people uh, jobs. We'd like to see um, old buildings retrofitted to make them environmentally um, sound. Uh, we'd like to see uh, investment in research and development to drive the economy forward. We need to push the economy forward. There's like no growth, there's no tax increase, there's no tax revenues coming to the government, and we never get out of the hole. And the thing that Britain needs most of all is Britain needs a pay rise. But Britain can't afford a pay rise, can it? That's, that's the thing. Britain can't afford a pay rise at the moment. Everybody's having to make cuts and everybody's having to, to tighten their belts a little bit. Well, the government's analysis was that if it put in its austerity programme, it would solve the debt problem. The truth is that that hasn't worked and the debt has plateaued at £120 billion a year. It was £120 billion last year and the year before. Um, and so because there are no new tax revenues coming forwards, the debt deficit exists year on year on year if we don't get growth we don't get jobs we don't get new tax revenues we stay stuck in this situation government's program so far hasn't worked and it's not just us saying it the imf the financial times and lots of authorities have also said it what's working what's being done so far isn't working we need a program for growth and jobs if, if, if what you're saying so is true that it hasn't worked so far is going on to a completely different tack right now is that really the, the best idea to start spending more money and to start the analysis i always have is if i'm overdrawn on my credit card i don't go and spend more money on my credit card to stimulate it i stop spending it very much depends, obviously, what the debt, what the borrowing is for. If I give you, if I've got time, I'll give you a little, a little story, sure. if you like. If you, imagine you've got a family, um, a father, a mother, and, and two adult children. Um, and they've got a, a transit van, and the transit van fails its MOT. And they use the transit van to deliver flowers. That's what the parents do for their work. And one of the young children, the daughter, she's just done a sports science degree, and she wants to... Um, coach women's football and, sh- and, and to referee games and the, and the son, he wants to deliver leaflets but that transit van has failed its MOT. Mm. Well they've got a choice they can borrow some money to get the repairs done on the van so they can go back out to work, earn more money and then pay tax to us if you like uh, to the government or they can say van's broken, can't repair it, can't borrow money, it's bad and they, if you like, their economy crashes, and our economy is crashing. So you know, it's just money. We, borrow, we borrow more money on top of this huge debt we've got. We borrow more money. I am actually yes, really to spend on investment, to spend on schools, to spend on the industrial strategy. The interest rate at the moment is virtually zero for governments um, to borrow money. It's a perfect time to borrow money. All the economic theory from Keynes says we should be borrowing money. In a recession, you're. Governments are supposed to run a deficit. When the economy is booming again, then the government's supposed to take money, withdraw money out of the economy, and pay that debt down. I'll use a phrase from David Cameron. He said, uh, don't repair the roof when it's raining, or if you like, repair the roof when the sun is shining. When the country is in, de- is in deep trouble, yes, it's right to borrow money to pay for investments to get the country out of trouble. And then when the country is booming again, then the government just take money out of the economy through, through taxes to slow down the economy and stop there being inflation and pay down the debt. So you've got the TUC austerity uncovered bus that's coming to Luton today. Yes. Is it really going to achieve anything? It's important for us to be grounded, if you like, to, to say the things we say, not in abstract, but to ground it in real stories and real experience. And we, we get uh, to have a platform with the general public 
and uh, to uh, if like advertise our new uh, campaign plan, um, and we build profile because people need hope in this time not just more despair. Okay, well listen, the bus is going to be parked outside the Town Hall in St George's Square uh, today, for, I think from 9.30, is that right? For, well, it'll be active from 10 until about 5pm. 5, uh, 5 it'll be brilliant if people want to come on down and uh, see the bus, and if they like, uh, tell us their story, write it on a piece of card, we'll put it on the website, or there'll be a camera down there to, to film pieces for a documentary. Laurie Houston from the TUC, thank you very much for coming in this morning. Have you got nice weather today? I think you have, looking out the window. Sun shining on the TUC today. It could have been worse. Laurie, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455555 is the telephone number. If you want to give us uh, a call on that, you can text as well. 81333, start your text 3CR. Or you can uh, go to the Facebook page. You've been very busy on Facebook. I'll look at the Facebook page in a little bit. You've been putting... uh, I know, we're jumping all over the shop today. Chest hair... Economies, HS2, it's been a very busy day. Uh, you can uh, go to the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC uh, 3CR and uh, leave your comments on uh, there. We're also talking about free parking. Let me read a couple of these. Uh, Gary and Luton has uh, texted in. Ian, did I hear right that Milton Keynes makes £9 million from par- car parking fees? Yes, it does. A year. If that's not a cash cow, I don't know what is. Are they trying to say it costs that amount on maintaining them? Because I've never seen a lion being painted, let alone any other works. That chap you were speaking to also said it pays for people to walk around keeping cars safe. I'd love to know how much they earn. If we're paying for people to keep vehicles safe, why are there disclaimers saying park at your own risk? Councils must be raking it in with parking charges, traffic wardens and cars with a CCTV on top. Uh, and uh, Regin St Alban says, Bulldog does a, car, uh, does a parking scheme called Three After Three. I think this is a good idea. Well, there you go. Uh, right, 8.15, let's get the travel news now. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Delays starting to build on the A1 as you come down toward the Black Cat roundabout from St Neots. It's looking particularly slow. Also looking like the speed sensors are picking up some delays on the A428 and the A4280 along the Bromham Road in toward Bedford. Things moving reasonably well on the A6 and the A5 this morning. It looks like the A414 is starting to slow up a fair bit though as you come toward the London Coney roundabout. In fact, both ways approaching the roundabout, it's looking busy. On the M25, you've got clockwise delays passing the A1M and going toward Potter's Bar in the roadworks. Anti-clockwise, much slower from the M11 right the way through the roadworks to the A1M, taking about 35 minutes. Then another 35 or 40 minutes worth of traffic from Kings Langley at Junction 20 to the M40 at Junction 16. Into London through Boreham Wood, you've got queues on the A1. Traffic is heavier than normal southbound coming towards Stirling Corner. Things on the M1 looking reasonably good, though. On the trains, we've got some problems. London, Midland, Virgin and Southern all delayed by up to 15 minutes between Milton Keynes and Watford Junction. It's because of a broken down train between Leighton Buzzard and Watford Junction. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, 8.16, it's Wednesday the 26th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. Five local Conservatives are part of a Commons revolt over the government's plans for a high-speed rail link between London and Birmingham. In sport on day three at Wimbledon, Andy Murray is in second-round action later. He takes on Yen Sun Lu on court number one. Coming up, car park charges of Milton Keynes. That'll keep the kids listening. BBC Three Counties Radio.
BBC Three Counties Radio, your local stories. I have a friend who runs a hairdresser's and one of her members of staff is stealing the takings. So what would the advice from the police be? We'll find out, Sally. Your local life. Yesterday we were talking about the problem of shoplifting. So what can you do if you have staff who, to put it eloquently, are a bit light-fingered? Your local radio station. The one thing which seems to actually solve the problem for them, they all said, was I put in CCTV cameras. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, there's a very heavy bass note at the uh, bowl at the rear of that. Good morning, Jonathan Vernon Smith. Good morning, fluffy hair. Oh, I've not put any product in. No, you haven't. No. You've got a lovely natural curl, haven't you? I believe that to be the case. Are you hairy? I can see a little bit of chest hair just poking out there. Yes, I'm quite hairy. But are these men that wax them? Why would anyone do that? I don't know. It's wrong. And you, I, I couldn't shave so close to my nipples. Mind you, if you've got a good body, yep. perhaps it's worth shaving it because you then show off your body, whereas oh. if you're hairy, I mean, you, what's the point? You can't see it. You can see my good body. Well, Bert, <laughs> yes. Bert Reynolds, Sean Connery <laughs> and the Knight Rider. They've all got great bodies. Right. And they've all got hairy chests. There's nothing, there's nothing sexier than a hairy chest, running your fingers through a hairy chest on a man, if you're a lady, or if you're a gentleman. It's, it's, it's 2013. Anything goes these days. So not, anything goes. You've obviously given this some thought, I've though. given it a lot of thought. Right. Yes, a lot of thought. I, I, uh, I've, I've interviewed gentlemen and noticed that... The, the thing is, when you wax it, it grows back again and, and itches, hmm. I'd imagine. So have, the, you, have you never tried it? I've never tried it. No, no. no. Right. You should get little, little white heads all over your pecs. I bet you would. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five. If you're a lady that finds uh, <laughs> your producer's almost holding her head in her hands at this I've, conversation, I've not asked her for a preference. But um, <laughs> uh, I, it, ladies, can we find a lady to call in who prefers? Can we get one who prefers smooth chests and one who prefers hairy chests and let them fight, fight it out? <laughs> Let's have a, a Harry fight. Hill style fight. Now you've got uh, quite a serious thing on your show today, haven't you? What yeah, are you talking about? Coming up this morning on the big phone in, what should we do with Ian Brady, the Moore's murderer? is in court and he wants to prove he's sane enough to leave hospital and go to prison. Why? Well, he's fed through a tube in hospital. But in prison, he would be allowed, in effect, to starve himself to death. Well, many people think that's exactly what he wants to do. Brady spoke in public for the first time in nearly 50 years yesterday. He described himself as a petty criminal. Mm. So do you think that he should be moved to a prison where he could be in control of his own eating and perhaps his own life? Or should we keep him secure to think about what he's done? Even though, of course, we should remember he's shown absolutely no remorse no. for what he's done. No. And the way he described the murder... Petty uh, crimes. Oh, it's it? just disgusting. I mean, it shows what With kind fi- of... Five kiddies he killed? Petty crimes. Disgusting. Yeah. Um... So, I want your views as to what we should do with Ian Brady. He's launched this legal appeal. It's costing the taxpayer hundreds of thousands of pounds. What should we do with him? People like this, what really should we do with him? Should we just say, you know, the best punishment for that man is keep him incarcerated in that psychiatric hospital, keep force-feeding him, because if he wants to die, then that's a great punishment for him, to keep him alive and to live to a ripe old age dwelling on what he's done. Or... Have you, frankly, had enough of people like this? Do you think, no, 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 no. If we'd just ended his life many years ago when he was first found guilty for what he'd, what he'd done, then, frankly, he wouldn't be allowed to, to launch this legal appeal now. He wouldn't be given the oxygen of publicity for his vile thoughts because he would be dead. 
your views from nine what should we do with ian brady keep him alive make him suffer you think yeah you want to kill yourself you shouldn't have killed those kids you've you've lost the right to decide what you should do and also we shouldn't be giving this week has been a little jolly for him, hasn't it? He's, he's been a little a little break, a little holiday, because he's got to go out, he's got to have his moment in the, the limelight again, he's got to do a speech in court, you shouldn't allow, just, just put him away. But if he's not remorseful in yep. any way, and it would appear he's not at all remorseful, no, then he's, it's not as if he's kind of sitting in a room racked with a sense of guilt for what he's done, is it? I mean, he doesn't think he's done anything wrong anyway. Mm. So is he really suffering if we keep him alive? Yeah, he's got a tube shoved down his nose that food is being forced into. Good, good. There you go. Apparently, I was reading a, a report from one of the uh, the nurses that looks after him. Apparently, he still eats toast. Yeah, some hunger strike that is. He yes. makes a bit of toast in the morning. Very unpleasant. Exactly. He's a very unplacent gentleman. But what yeah. should we do with him? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five from nine. I want to hear from you. And you'll have the answer by ten o'clock, will you? By ten we will have decided. Look forward to listening to that. Call oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. BBC Three Counties Radio. Chest hair. I know. What other show could do a quantum leap from Ian Brady to chest hair? Only this show. Uh, Jez is in High Wycombe. Morning, Jez. Good morning. Are you a hairy man? Uh, fairly. Yeah. yeah. Fairly hairy. Fairly hairy. A hairy back? Um, no. I'm not, get- not so much a hairy back. I'm getting one. Hairy shoulders I've got. Uh, probably hairy shoulders yeah. and hairy chest. But- That's horrible. Imagine yeah. being a woman, uh, or a gay gentleman, and having to touch that first thing in the morning. How unpleasant. Oh, dreadful. Couldn't do it. So, what, what, are, are you a fan of chest hair? Do you, th- do you think it's sexy? Uh, not particularly, no. Oh. I, I don't really like mine at all. Oh. Would, no. Would you wax it? Uh, my wife has tried it, and it was the most painful experience of my life. Really? Uh, and we, she only did a, a very small area, and I was, I was like, you know, women are, just, are built to withstand pain, because obviously they're built for childbirth, men aren't, men don't do pain, I certainly don't, and I was, I was reeling in pain, and I told her to stop immediately, and so I just, I've left it, because it was just too painful. So, did she say, <laughs> did she say, darling, listen, Jez, I love you, but the thing that would make me love you more is if you were to just get rid of that, that big fluff on your... It was your... a kind of unanimous decision. It was like, I don't really like my chest hair. And she said, well, do you want me to get rid of it for you? Because I will if you want me to. Can you, re- <laughs> can you recreate the noise you made when she ripped that bit of chest hair off? It was more like, oh, I'm going to put the phone away from my ear. It was more like, ah! Ah, stop! Ah! <laughs> Jez, you just made the podcast. Thanks very much for calling. <laughs> Ta-ta, there we go. <laughs> what a good sport. Kelly Betts, log it. This is why I I wouldn't want to do... You get these men that go and get all kinds of things waxed. Why? This is how God made us. Just accept it. Live with it. Jez uh, in High Wycombe, always uh, a good sport. Now, this morning, I've been talking about parking charges. Today, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes. The first increase there since 2009. Milton Keynes Council earns £9 million a year from parking. I've just been sent this figure from Paul Scoynes, okay? Westminster City Council, 2007-2008. Have a guess how much they made from parking. Have a guess. I'll tell you in a minute. It's incredible. Milton Keynes earns nearly £9 million a year. But they say the increases are necessary to uh, generate the income needed to uh, support transport and uh, highways. Well, I spoke to Kelvin Reynolds earlier on, who is the Director of Policy and Public Affairs at the British Parking Association. He told me research shows that parking charges don't have that much of an effect on people shopping. But is that right? Well, Justin has been out to get your opinion. Justin, ha- have a guess. Mm-hmm. At Westminster City Council, it's in London, 
2007-2008, that year, financial year, how much did they make from parking charges? Well, if you're talking £9 million in Milton Keynes, I'd say, what, £50 million? Yeah, and then some, £85 million. <laughs> this is insane. And some of that came from me. Incredible. £85 Absolutely incredible. What have people in Milton Keynes been saying? Well, people in Milton Keynes, obviously, the, the charges coming in there. I've been in St Albans this morning. I've been on Drover's Way there. Now, to park in Drover's Way in St Albans, up to 30 minutes, 60p, up to one hour, £1.20, up to two hours, £2.60, and then we get this big jump here, up to five hours, £3.60. That is still a lot of money. It certainly affects the way people shop. I spoke to Julie a few moments ago, and this is what happened. Oh, uh, just give me one second, Justin. Sorry, I've just seen that you're here. Let's, uh, oh, I do apologise. I thought, there uh, we go. Right, do that introduction again. OK, I spoke to Julie a few moments ago, and this is what she had to say. Now, madam, parking charges in St Albans are pretty steep, but on the whole, do the parking charges everywhere affect the way that you shop? Totally, yes. I always think about it twice, and sometimes I'll get a bus rather than take my car to have to park the car. And um, I feel that shopping centres shouldn't charge because they need your trade and they want to bring people in. So they're penalising you by charging you um, the car parks by charging you. We know at the moment that shops are struggling and it just makes the whole situation worse because they need your money. And if you're not going to be making that trip because you think, why should I park? Well, more shops could unfortunately go out of business because of that. And I think they are. And I think the whole high street has changed because of yellow lines. It was never like that in the 60s, 70s. And it's just got worse and worse. So you think then, in an ideal world, it should be free? It should be free. And also this pay-by-phone thing, I think that should be eliminated. Um, because not everyone's got a mobile phone. You still get charged um, 20p administration or so. And that's another another cost added to your trip. OK, just lastly, the car park behind us here, Drover's Way in St Albans, that's £3.60 for up to five hours. Is that utterly outrageous? What do you think? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I would think twice coming into St Albans. I would probably park down at Sainsbury's and walk up the hill if I could. Oh, Justin, uh, don't get rid of the phone parking. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I, I never have change on me. Oh, keep the phone parking. It's a nightmare. The, the other week I had to make five phone calls. I think I was in Bedford at the time, and it's very, very confusing. But I went to Brent Cross yesterday. You didn't come shopping with me. No. Why? No. Why didn't you come shopping? Well, oh, come uh, on. No, it, the re- no, I did say I was going to come shopping with yeah, you. Why I didn't realise you were going to go to. I think you were going to go to some local independent stores in Beds, Hearts and Bucks. <laughs> not Brent Cross, Justin. Well, do you know what? I went to Brent Cross, drove down the M1 from Luton, and when I got there, it was free. It didn't cost yep. me a penny and I parked directly outside the shops. That is a very successful shopping centre yep. to a lot of people. It's the principle. Why should I be paying a lot of money to park my car to go and spend money to keep my local high street alive? It's the principle, Ian. Justin, thank you very much for that. Well, after the news, I'll be talking to the man in charge of transport and highways at Milton Keynes Council, Councillor John Bitt. If you want to put any questions to him, uh, g- give me a call now. On the day that Milton Keynes parking charges go up for the first time in four years, if you want to have your say, 08459 455 555. You can speak to the man in charge of transport and highways at Milton Keynes Council. Give me a call now, 08459 455 555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
slow traffic on the A1 from St Neots down to the Black Cat Roundabout and the A421, the Bedford Road. Things looking quite busy on the A5. You've got patches of traffic from Hotcliffe down toward Dunstable, through Dunstable and past Houghton Regis, and then a little bit of traffic as well as you go past Marquette and down toward the M1. The M1's been running quite well this morning. On the cameras, there are no major issues. It's pretty slow in London Coney on the A414, approaching the London Coney roundabout. Possibly some slow-moving traffic in Hemel Hempstead along Breakspear Way, again up toward the M1. And the A41's looking slow as you come down toward the M25. Fair bit of traffic on the M25. First off, clockwise going into the roadworks from the A1M toward Potter's Bar. Anti-clockwise, it's slow from back at the M11 round to the roadworks section. And then about 35 or 40 minutes worth of traffic from Kings Langley at Junction 20 through to the M40 at Junction 16. And on the trains, you have delays of up to 15 minutes for Virgin, London Midland and Southern services running between Milton Keynes Central and Watford Junction. All because of a broken down train between Leighton Buzzard and Watford Junction. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's 8.30. Let's get the news and sport now. Here's Catherine Boyle. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. The headlines. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. Five local Conservatives are part of a Commons revolt over the government's plans for a high-speed rail link between London and Birmingham. And the Chancellor, George Osborne, will today set out plans to shave off another £11.5 billion from public spending in order to reduce the budget deficit. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Laura Robson says her first round victory in the ladies' singles at Wimbledon was a great surprise. The British number one defeated 10th seed Maria Kirilenko 6-3, 6-4. I didn't expect to win. You know, I thought if I go out there and play well and try and dominate from the start and um, keep the first serve percentage high, then I would give myself the best chance to win. So, yeah, that's what I was trying to focus on and that's what I managed to do. Not such good news for our local wildcards. Tara Moore from Potter's Bar lost to the Estonian Kaya Kanepi 7-5-5-7-7-5 yesterday and Wellin's Dave Rice was supposed to be playing alongside Sean Thornley in the doubles but that match was cancelled. In football, Manchester City and Juventus have agreed a deal for striker Carlos Tevez to sign for the Italian champions in a transfer worth up to £12 million. Tevez still has a year to run on his City contract. Dean Lewington has signed a new two-year deal with the MK Dons. The left-back is the longest-serving player at the club and next season will be Lewington's 10th campaign with the Dons. Meanwhile, coach Ian Wright has left the club, although he will continue to help on an ad hoc basis. Wickham Wanderers have signed winger Paris Cowan Hall from Plymouth Argyle. That's on a two-year deal. Finally, the British Swimming Championships, which double as the World Trials, begin today in Sheffield. Luton's Lawrence Palmer competes in the 50 metres breaststroke and Aylesbury's Craig Gibbons is in the 100 metres as well as the 50 metres freestyle, which takes place today. It's going to take a big swim, but I've put the training in this year and off the back of a successful Olympic year and everything that went well for me last year, the confidence is high so I'm looking forward to it. And that's your latest news and sport. I'll be back with more at nine o'clock. Call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio here every weekday morning between six and nine. Don't forget to go and download the podcast. Go to iTunes now, now! Type in Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E, and uh, download. There are four episodes up there, and a new one comes out every Friday. Coming up in the last 30 minutes of the show, more about the parking in Milton Keynes, more about hairy chests, and possibly a little bit more about HS2. We shall see. 
Now, has the cost of parking changed the way that you shop? Today, new parking charges come into effect in Milton Keynes. It's the first increase since 2009. Premium tariffs will increase by 20 pence to £1.40 an hour. But employee permits will see a massive 33% hike, rising from 270 to 360 pounds a year. Well, MK Council earns nearly nine million pounds a year from parking. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Conservative councillor John Bint is in charge of transport and highways at Milton Keynes Council. John, why are these increases coming in today? They're coming in today because when we set the budget for the council services for the year, which was set back in February, uh, this was the decision that council came to, and they're coming in now because they have to go through legal processes, organise things with your parking contractor and those things, so that's why it's coming in now. How much uh, extra money per year are you expecting to raise? Uh, Probably a couple of million pounds in total, and clearly that is used within the transport department to provide pothole repairs, new signage, uh, subsidised bus services. So all of the extra, all of the money that's raised will go to transport? Absolutely. How do you, ins- how do you decide what, what level of increase you're going to implement? Um, you, you look for the, the smallest coin that is workable in the system, um, and, and we decided that although technically you could have done it in five pences, actually um, ten pences is the smallest coin that people tend to carry, and, and a, a 10p increase from 30 to 40p an hour um, is, is, is the smallest unit for uh, our very competitively priced car parks. What about the employee permits? They're seeing a massive 33% hike. Why? Uh, Because the cost, as I mentioned, has gone up from 30p an hour to 40p an hour, and and clearly if you have a permit in in a purple space, uh, a standard rated space, then you're paying half what everybody else is paying, um, but it's still the same percentage, percentage increase. An extra ninety pounds. The fact that it's a ten p. An extra ninety pounds a year, though, is, is that fair, really? Uh, well, that these people continue to enjoy uh, parking at half price. Um, yes, I think I think I think that's that's an appropriate. Um, the rate of inflation is less. Than, the rate of inflation is less than three percent. So, so a thirty-three percent increase uh, to some might seem excessive. I think if you're if you're looking at the difference in thirty p and forty p an hour. Um, then, then I think I think that's a um, a reasonable, regrettable, necessary uh, small increase for the the really quite considerable amount of money that is spent on maintaining car parks, maintaining roads, and maintaining transport in Milton Keynes. But the thir- the, 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 the uh, ninety pounds a year. I know that this is how it works, but the ninety pounds a year for the employee permits th- th- that will hit people hard, won't it? That that. That continues to be a 50% discount on the price that everybody else is paying. We think that's that's an appropriate level of discount. But you, maintaining the level you think of discount, that 33%, you think a 33% increase, because that's what it is, is appropriate for the, for the employee when, permits? We think that when you've, when you've got a 30p an hour uh, basic pricing unit, okay. and it's gone up to 40p yep. for the first time in many years... Um, that, that we think this is appropriate, and we think that so the increase, people should just to clarify, enjoy half price. Just to clarify, that the £270 to £360 a year, 33% increase, despite the uh, inflation being less than 3%, you think that's that's fair and appropriate? It's the equivalent of a 30p to 40 You think that's fair and appropriate? 
I said, I think it's the equivalent yeah, of a 30 just, If you just answer the question... And you continue to get okay. a half price... So you do think that's appropriate? We think it's necessary that you have to raise money to spend okay. on transport. But, but do you Most think that the question is... To get, the question is very specific. You, I heard, you, I heard your Well, question. could you answer the question then, John? Do you think that's appropriate? I've made, I've made the point that when you have units of 30p to 40p, when you, when you John, have a unit of 10p, I'm asking I heard you, your question and I've answered it. I'm asking you a very, very specific question, and if you could, if, maybe I'm not explaining it clearly enough, but just to clarify, you think the increase from £270 a year to £360 a year, a 33% increase for the employee permits, when inflation is less than 3%, do you think that's appropriate? We think it's a necessary way of working, given the, u- the units and the multiples of the way these things work in 10p and coins. And we're retaining the discount of people so buying permits continue to get half price on their parking. So you do think that's appropriate? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm confused as to why you're slightly not answering the question. You do think that's appropriate? I think I've given you an answer. I think you're trying to put words in my mouth. Well, I'm trying... I think well, I've I, given you- John, is it appropriate? Yes or no? It's a yes or no answer. You're, you're, you're talking about this, this 10 pence increase, this 33% increase, when inflation is less than 3%. Is that appropriate? That's a simple yes or no. This is the first time these prices have gone up for Oh, John, for goodness years. sakes. Is it, it's a yes or no answer. You've had a clear answer. I'm sorry it wasn't the one you wanted. It's I not clear. I, I, think it, I think you're fudging ever so slightly, so if you don't mind me saying, and I, I think the listeners will uh, as well. Let's stay there, John, because we can speak to Phil Windsor, who's City Centre Manager for Milton Keynes City Centre Limited, who represent the interests of 50 companies based in Milton Keynes. Uh, Phil, this, this 33% increase, do you think that's appropriate? Well, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think it's appropriate in, the, in, this, in this current financial climate. We, we've got, as you say, 50 members uh, from blue chip companies down to SMEs situated in central Milton Keynes, and it's, their employees are going to have to take the financial hit when, as you say, we've got inflation nationally running at less than two, uh, 3%, about 26 2.7%. And how on earth, you know, John can say, well, this, this is fair and reasonable... I, I just I just don't understand. I mean, his point about the, the coinage, um, I pay every day when I go to work at the pound display, and if I haven't got the appropriate coins, in effect, I pay over as many people do. They could have gone for a 5p, um, but they decided 10p was more common. I don't quite understand that one. In respect of the permits... The, 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 the fact is that those permits are bought probably on credit or debit cards and, or, or, or cash at, at the parking office. So the whole issue about 33% increase for employees uh, paying on a permit, not having to put a, a, a 5p coin in a slot, it, it just doesn't make any sense at all. And I think what really annoys our members is, you know, 33% is, is a whopping increase, even having regard to the fact that prices have been frozen for a couple of years. Um, is what is the money being spent on? And, and John just referred to potholes, signs, and subsidised transport. Potholes in central Milton Keynes are not being repaired. Granite sets are still kicked up at corners. Signage, well, it gets worse by the week as signs um, become worn and, and you can't actually read where some of the parking areas are. The actual colours for standard and premium rate are wearing away. So not before long, people won't know what to put in the machine because they won't know what colour they're parking in. And subsidised transport, as far as public bus services, yes, we, we have a green group within our organisation and we actively try and promote people using public transport. 
to come into central Milton Keynes. It, you know, it's, it's a massive um, footfall area. But let's have some transparency. Let's see where the £9 million has actually been spent. Well, let's, but Phil, let's put that to John. And also, we just had uh, Bill in Milton Keynes wants to know if the money will go on potholes. He says they're all over Milton Keynes, John. There are a lot of potholes. We've got a lot of roads. We've got a lot of road users. So it's 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 inevitably necessary that you have to spend a lot on mending them. We recognise that we need to spend more on on maintenance of the of the parking areas, and clearly that that argues towards needing needing to have more funds available. So nobody is suggesting a single reason why. We don't need the money. Everybody is saying there's a whole load of things. We've got a wish list for maintenance. But people aren't seeing where this £9 million a year you're getting, soon to be around £11 million, if your estimate's correct, people aren't seeing that this money is being spent. I think that's, that's what, what, what Phil and, and our texter just said. Well, that's all a matter of public record. It's all part of the budget deliberations. The, the, the budget for the department is, is, is public record. If people want to argue that it should be spent more on potholes and less on signing, then happy to have that debate. But what you've just illustrated from, from, uh, from, from Phil and the other listeners' comments is actually people want us to be spending more on maintenance. Phil, let's, let's, put that to, let's put that to, maintenance. to Phil, John. Let me just put that to Phil. Phil, how do you respond? Yes, I, I, we do want the, the maintenance, the, 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 particularly central Milton Keynes, as as a gateway for visitors um, and businesses coming into to Milton Keynes, it's looking decidedly shabby. We do audits. We, we've sent the information and data through to the council, and, and actually nothing is getting done. We used to have a fix-it crew who went round and did speedy repairs. It's being cut. The bus services are being cut. The potholes aren't getting re- re- repaired as they were, you know, in, in previous years. So the situation is that that extra income is coming into the pot. I, I, I understand the budgetary process that John's referring to, but let's see some of the actuals, not the budget, we need 11, 9, 11 million pounds. Let's see what's been spent since April on the, the highway infrastructure and subsidised uh, bus services, etc., out of those parking monies. Phil, can I, let me just interrupt. Tim in Luton is on the line. Tim, you've got a point you'd like to put to John. What's your point, please? Um, good morning, Ian. Um, uh, well, in fact, uh, listen, listening to you chaps um, chatting away there um, has prompted me to suggest that John is pursuing a career for um, Westminster um, because he's refusing to answer your questions. And um, they're, they're very straightforward questions. But my point is... Um, despite the fact I can afford the parking charges, I refuse to go to Milton Keynes out of principle. Um, it's, in essence, a, really a very nice shopping centre. But why can't they do, for example, when my father was in the hospital over in Hamel Hempstead, um, to avoid the excessive parking charges um, in Hemel Hempstead um, Hospital, I would park in Asda, and I'm um, sorry to mention the company name, um, but to avoid paying their parking charges if i shopped in store my parking fee was refunded so tim you're, you're basically just because we're running out of time you're saying that the, the parking charges in milton Keynes are keeping you away from using the shops there in essence yes uh, john how do you respond to that milton Keynes has some of the cheapest city center parking of any of our neighboring uh, towns and cities so um i know everybody would like everything to be cheaper we very much regret the fact that there needs to be an increase but you've just heard a whole load of reasons why um why people want us to have more are you worried that, on are you worried that, that that people will stop coming into milton kings to shop we've, we've had lots of texts and calls talking about that we know the market traders uh, are, are worried that they will see a decline in their business does it concern you at all john 
We're clearly very sensitive to that, and we have looked, looked, looked in quite a lot of detail at what other uh, city centres are charging, and clearly the fact that there's out-of-town centres, um, some of which in Milton Keynes are kind of within the conurbation, um, where the... Um, where the car parking area is paid for by the shop and people pay for that out of their food um, shopping and, and we can't do that in CMK. But clearly we are sensitive. We believe that in view of the demand and the fact that it's a great place to go and the fact that everybody wants us to spend more on maintenance and despite Phil's comment, actually we have spent several million pounds in the last year or so on the walkways and, and footpaths around city centre, which lots of people have, have emailed me to say are looking really smart um, going down towards the, towards the station. So we are continuing to invest in that. We're sorry it costs money, but it costs money. The motorist gets a great value parking in CMK compared to any other place, and the money is being spent on roads and transport. Uh, Phil, final word to you. I think John needs to actually go out and go and visit some of our competitive towns nearby. I was recently in Northampton and, and went to a meeting and the first hour was free. So I really don't think his benchmarking is up to date or he's being misled by his officers. There needs to be a rapid rethink on this to, to look hard at where the money is being spent. Let's just have some transparency. We all know about the costs and the maintenance is required. And if every penny that people spend was spent on transport-related matters and it was all put in the public domain, fine. Then let's have a further debate. Phil, thank you very much indeed. The, the two voices you heard there, Phil Windsor, City Centre Manager for Milton Keynes City Centre Limited, and the other gentleman was uh, Conservative Councillor John Bint, who's in charge of transport and highways at Milton Keynes Council. What you say? Got 15 minutes left of the show. 08459 455555. <laughs> Travel news for beds, hards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still some delays on the A1 as you come down from St Neots toward the Black Cat Roundabout and it's looking a little slow according to the speed sensors as you then come into Sandy as well. In Hitchin, things aren't looking too bad for the minute but sensors are picking up a short delay as you come along the A600, the Bedford Road, on the southbound side into Hitchin. Past Hatfield and Wellingarden City, the A1M this morning actually looking surprisingly good. We have got queues though in London Coney on the A414, approaching the London Coney roundabout and the A1081. Things in Hemel Hempstead, well, they're slowing up on the A414 as you come up to the M1. It's also quite busy on the A41 down to the M25. If you're on the motorway, anti-clockwise, it's really slow from Kings Langley down to the M40, Junction 20 to Junction 16, taking around 35 or 40 minutes to get through the traffic. And if you're driving further into London on the A1, it's still looking slow through Borehamwood down toward Mill Hill. On the trains, good news, because most of the delays seem to have eased off a little bit. We've got delays of up to 15 minutes, though. London, Midland, Southern and Virgin train services, Milton Keynes Central to Watford Junction, after a train broke down earlier this morning between Leighton Buzzard and Watford Junction. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much. Right, 8.48, it's Wednesday the 26th of June. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A post-mortem has found that an 11-year-old girl found dead in Bushy on Saturday had been strangled. Five local Conservatives are trying to block a bill which would give the government the power to spend an unlimited amount building HS2. In sport, Manchester City striker Carlos Tevez is on the verge of a move to Juventus in a deal thought to be worth £12 million. Coming up, we'll have your comments on parking charges. 08459 555. You heard the, uh, the councillor John Bint there defending the uh, rise in uh, parking charges in Milton Keynes. What do you think? Does it affect the way you shop? We'll talk about that more after the weather with Sarah Thornton.
Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. We've got some nice breaks appearing now in the cloud. Looks like Buckinghamshire and Bedfordshire currently seeing the best of that. Hertfordshire, you've got a little bit more cloud according to the satellite picture, but uh, it is thinning and breaking. So for all three counties, we're looking at a generally dry day with some good brighter sunny spells coming through and in the best of that top temperature of 20 or 21 Celsius. Now I say generally dry day because this evening there's a risk of a few stray showers just coming in about 8 o'clock this evening, something like that. They'll be really well isolated but just uh, worth a mention could affect things could potentially just for the very end of the day affect things at Wimbledon but uh, the likelihood is it'll be after play has finished and then they'll clear away nicely we'll be dry through the night dry start to the day tomorrow again good brighter sunny spells but cloud increasing from the west as we go through the morning into the afternoon and that will bring us some light and patchy rain late in the afternoon which will become a little heavier and more widespread as we go through the evening hours that again could affect play at Wimbledon more likely to I think tomorrow and also play at the Oval if you're interested in the cricket. And then that'll clear away, but we will be left with uh, yet more sort of claggy weather to come in for Friday morning. Another sort of secondary band coming in. Claggy so weather? Yeah, claggy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, yeah. I'll, yes, thank you. Uh, it's cloudy and rainy and uh, sort of pretty uh, muggy as well. That's what claggy is, I think. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I made it up. Yep. But there we go. Uh, Friday, we start with that uh, still lingering around. Should clear up later in the day on Friday. The weekend looks fine and not claggy at all. Thank you very much. Slaggy weather. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, there's one man you should come and speak to. You've got a problem with a mattress, I gather. Tell me all about it without naming any company name. Jonathan Vernon-Smith. Well, every time she tried to book, the trip was cancelled because of adverse weather. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. Said send the receipt off and you'll get the cheque in the post. If you need our help... I went to speak to the man that runs this golf club. Email jvsshow at bb. I'm just very pleased that you've got the money. And we could do the same for you. Thanks ever so much, Jonathan. The JVS Show on BBC Three Counties Radio. Jonathan's been doing a lot of uh, consumer calls about those memory foam mattresses. Oh, they sound horrible. They, they, oh, they, they do. They, they, yeah, they all get um, like a, a, a discharge on them. Not all of them, obviously, but the ones that he's dealing with. I mean, you wouldn't phone him up and say, by the way, JVS, just so you know, my memory phone mattress is, was working perfectly. There's no discharge on it. But the, the ones he's had, he's had about three or four the last couple of weeks of people who've got this horrible dark colouring on it. Ooh, why would you do that? Anyway, so it's always a cracking listen. JVS from 9 o'clock. The Consumer Hour uh, is at 11 o'clock. Now, we're talking about the parking charges. They go up in Milton Keynes for the first time in four years. Will it change your shopping habits? You can still pop in for an hour, but it might put you off going for three or four hours, wandering around, having a bit of lunch, socialising, having a coffee. Oh, wait, 459-455-555 is the phone number. Alan's in Milton Keynes. Alan, you were responsible for these parking charges. Have I got that right? (laughs) No, not quite. You're the person we have to blame. (laughs) No, not quite. Um, I certainly was a cabinet member for transport some years ago in Milton Keynes and did um, actually put up the parking charges. And, and why did you do that? Because we wanted to improve the bus facilities in Milton Keynes, and we directly equated the cost of the parking charges to an increase in public transport in Milton Keynes. And it was specifically for, for buses, was it? Yeah, I still was very frustrated by the small amounts of the overall income that was actually going towards public transport, because there seemed to be an awful lot of expenses 
uh, involved in the parking operation. But nevertheless, um, directly related to the parking charges going up, we did increase the subsidy to buses. So what do you... I mean, we were talking to John Bent uh, uh, earlier, and he's saying they make £9 million now, could be another £2 million uh, with these increased charges. And it's spread out. It it, it does help buses, but it also goes to road signs, it goes to potholes. Uh, How do you feel about that? Well, my frustration is that actually the Conservative Council have actually reduced the overall um, spend on subsidising buses which is really the really positive thing, because if you're a worker in Milton Keynes, you've got to get to central Milton Keynes. Um, what you want is a good, solid bus service, and that will re- restrict the sort of problems we've got with parking in Milton Keynes, which aren't too bad at the moment, because um, it's not very busy. But around Christmas time, it's going to get busy again, and we need a good bus service, and the only way we can do it is subsidise it throughout the year. Yeah, it's, it's been many, many years since I've uh, used a bus in Milton Keynes, and I shall do so uh, soon, just to, to check it out. Is the bus service lacking in Milton Keynes? would you say alan i'd say that we need to put more resources in it if we're to have a decent bus service yes i'd say it's lacking at the moment and i'd say that the it's not a conservative priority to um i I don't see it as conservative priority to to subsidize buses in milton Keynes. alan thank you very much indeed it has been years since i've been on the bus in milton Keynes. i shall have to rectify that at some point linda's in biddenham morning linda good morning ian what do you think about these this increase in parking charges will it change the way you shop Definitely not. I think that the parking charges in Milton Keynes are very reasonable, and even when their prices go up, I'll definitely still shop in Milton. <coughs> sorry, still shop in Milton Keynes. It's so much cheaper there than in Bedford, where you pay seventy or eighty p an hour, and if you go in some of the multi-stories and you stay for more than four hours, which is very easy to do, um, you pay seven pounds for the visit, which is very very expensive and i can go to milton Keynes, meet my friend for lunch do some shopping stay all day and it'll only cost me say three pounds or so so i definitely will still go to milton Keynes. i think it's far better than going to bedford for example linda thank you very much i must admit i i, I did live for london in many many in, for many years and would on occasion have to park in central london and hearing tales of one pound ten an hour Oh, it sounds like Nirvana to me. To old me when I used to live in London. Well, you could you could pay eight pounds an hour. You go to an NCP in London, you're looking at twelve pounds fifty an hour. But but let's keeping it uh, in beds, hearts, and bucks. Maria's in Luton. Maria, will will the, these increase in charges? Do they affect your shopping habits? Well, all pe- all um, parking charges affect my shopping habits i pretty much have to think twice about everything and would rather shop on the internet where i can get free delivery instead of having to go all the way out and spend fuel and petrol i, I mean and, f- and parking charges um you do miss you do miss some of the magic of the browse though don't you you can't browse if you're on amazon or play.com or any of these websites whereas if you're walking through luton or walking through milton Keynes, you go oh there's a gap there I, i'll pop in and have a, oh look there's boots i can go and get some bits and pieces you miss that don't you i do miss it but the, the, the salaries i have haven't gone up enough to be able to afford any of the increases anywhere so I have to think twice because I can't afford to go out for an entire day to browse and enjoy a cup of tea and everything else. It's interesting you say that. The line's not great, Maria, so we shall leave it there. But yes, it's the whole package, isn't it? With the increase in parking, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, but, but when you add that with the increase in uh, petrol, 
Although, have you noticed, seen the supermarkets are reducing their petrol by tuppence a litre? Fantastic. That's brilliant news. But did you notice that three weeks ago, the supermarkets increased their petrol by tuppence a litre? Oh, I see. I see. Glenn's in Leighton Buzzard. Morning, Glenn. Morning, Ian. Increase in parking charges. Does it affect your, your shopping habits? Well, no, not really, because I live in Northampton, and Northampton's quite expensive anyway. So, uh, a trip to Milton Keynes is, is pleasurable, and the extra 10p, that wouldn't bother me. But the reason I came on uh, to talk to you uh, is regarding this, this funding towards potholes, because I thought our car tax went towards all that. So, obviously, it doesn't, does it? Well, it, it, it does seem confusing sometimes as to where our different bits of money are supposed to be going. The road licensing fund, yes, I thought that contributed towards the potholes, and, and then I heard something else contributed towards the potholes, and now it turns out it's this parking that, that's, that's paying for it. Milton Keynes, I don't know if you know it very well, Glenn, but it, it does have... There are a lot of potholes around there. It would seem that money's not quite reaching its right place. No, I don't think it is. Glenn, thank you very much indeed. Oh, wait, uh, well, listen, I'll give you out the number for Jonathan's show. A little bit late to give me a call now. Oh, wait, four, five, nine, four, double, five, five, double, five is the phone number. Some texts here. Uh, OC is texting. The average price per space has effectively been raised already because the free spaces were abolished. And why do we have to have blocks of time when the same company, Vinci, using the same machines in France, offers pro rata charging by the minute? Um, and Pete in Stockford, last text from me today, says employee parking in central Milton Keynes sounds a bargain to me. It's around a grand a year in Watford Centre for employees. I have to drive as well as I'm disabled and in a wheelchair. Well, there you go. Uh, that's it from me. Don't forget to, to stick around because Jonathan Vernon Smith, after nine, is asking, what should we do with Ian Brady? Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Things are still looking quite slow on the A1 approaching the Black Cat roundabout southbound from St Neots. There's a bit of a queue there. It's also looking slow on the approach to Sandy through Biggleswade though and then down along the A1M. No real problems this morning. London Coney, the A414, it's been looking particularly busy all morning. Not quite sure why, certainly no accidents or incidents reported along there but it's still looking really busy around the London Coney roundabout and the A1081. A little slow in Hemel Hempstead approaching the M1. Down towards the M25 on the A41, you've got queuing traffic past Kings Langley. Issues now on the M1 northbound. One lane's been closed, an accident between the Newport Packle services and Junction 15 at Northampton. And the southbound side's looking slow as people slow down to have a look. It is lane 3 of the northbound carriageway, the outside lane, that's blocked. M25, you've got delays from Kings Langley to the M40. 35 minutes worth of traffic from Junction 20 to 16. And if you're travelling by train this morning, delays of up to half an hour now for London Midlands Southern and and Virgin Trains because of the broken down train at Berkhamstead. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. Right, that's it. I'm back tomorrow at six. Stick around, JVS is up next. From me till tomorrow, ta-ta. On FM, AM, online and digital radio. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Wednesday morning and on today's big phone-in... What should we do with Ian Brady?